What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Monday, exactly three weeks from the day when we had our Arch Madness recap. And now on this one, we will be discussing this season, uh, a recap of the whole season and other stuff because we've missed or we have a lot of stuff to discuss on this episode. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, yeah, we were going to wait till... Uh, you know, to do this recap after finding out about our our postseason, you know, destiny. And as soon as we found that out, we even waited another week because we knew some crazy stuff would happen because some dominoes started to fall around the valley and the country. But like I said, we got a lot of stuff to discuss. What's going on? Yeah, we decided to uh, hold off and uh, hoping we would either get a interview from Mike or maybe an end of the year presser from Brian, but. We've never received that. So, uh, but yeah, like you said, dominoes are starting to fall. None for us besides what we knew Saku was going to enter the portal. But uh, a lot of things going on right now for college basketball. Yeah, we'll talk about everything. I mean, there's, like I said, there's been so much going on, so much to discuss, a lot of fun stuff going on in college basketball. Yes, because we are in the heart. And now we're headed or heart of the tournament. Now we're getting all the way to the final four that starts up this weekend. And I, I, I figure we would start off with all these postseason tournaments. Cause like I said, we, you know, we had a feeling that we could be in one, but weren't a hundred percent sure. And as soon as we saw uh, the main account post uh, thing about the dog pound and something about Brian, cause you're right. Mike did say, or we heard, around that they were going to have, you know, presser at some point last week. So we were waiting on that as well. Haven't gotten it. We might get it at some point here, but it doesn't look like it. So we, so as soon as we weren't in the postseason, we figured we'd just talk about it, pushed it back another week, and here we are. So, Noah, let's kick off with uh, all the – we'll get to maybe the big dance and what's going on just to this point. And just uh, even though everybody knows, we had a small tidbit of something else that was going on, which was cool. We posted about a couple of days ago. But now let's start out with some of these Valley teams and what postseason uh, they had. Uh, as we know, Loyola won the conference tournament, got into the big dance, saw them on Selection Sunday. They were a 10 seed. I, I'm not going to say they were kind of underseeded. Maybe they were. You know, a 10 seed seemed about right because they were, you know, four seed in the conference tournament, and they kind of, you know, funneled around a little bit near the end, even though we knew they were still the best team in the conference pretty much. So they did that 10 seed. And they got the Big Ten's Ohio State. And us being Illinois fans as well know a lot about Ohio State. Thought it was a favorable matchup. Uh, Noah and they got trounced. And main reason – and this was – I'm not going to say a bad look for the Valley. Obviously, you want – it kind of is, I guess, the way they played. Because, Noah, it was something – or the way they played is not how they had been playing either in years past or this year. They couldn't hit a shot in this one. And they got blown out. Yeah, I think uh, it was a really – ugly game at times. I think, uh, remember Chris Holtman calling it, um, a rock fight and that's basically what it was. I mean, um, I believe he also said that's the best defensive performance, um, they've had in a couple of years. I remember him saying, and, uh, yeah, they just really put the clamps on Loyola. Um, Lucas Williamson as great as players. We know he, uh, he struggled, um, all game long, and uh, they just had really no answer for uh, EJ Liddell and uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Year Malachi Branham. It's unfortunate because Lucas shot one of ten in thirty-four minutes. Yeah, him and 
Brandon, we're kind of going back and forth. Kudos to Ohio State's defense. Yeah, Lucas couldn't hit a shot four points in his final college game. That's definitely not the way you want to go out. A far cry from how he played last year against Illinois uh, in the tournament. But, uh, yeah, low-scoring game, 54-41 to 41 final score. Braden Norris was the leading scorer with 14. And Schweiger had eight in his final game. And Chris Knight had some struggles with E.J. Liddell, yes. And he's headed to the NBA, so we're looking forward to see his future. Uh, so, yeah, a, a tough game for them for sure. Like I said, low scoring, and that ended their season. And everybody, I think, in the country had them moving on past this game because we know Kyle Young for Ohio State was sketchy to play, and he played really well. And they just, like I said, their season just ended there, and they ruined a couple brackets early. Uh, so that's Loyola season, and they are headed to the A-10. So we, you know, we say good riddance, but best of luck to them. We know they'll have a turnover, but they will uh, reload for A-10 play moving forward. Uh, so know them. Some, uh, uh, UN, or we'll, we'll stay in the big dance for future and next year, Valley member Murray State. We know they had an incredible year. Uh, we're on a 20-game winning streak or so, and they went uh, undefeated in the OBC. We know they were a great team, and they were a seven seed, and they faced San Francisco on the first round. People were talking how, why it shouldn't have been a mid-major matchup. We've seen San Francisco this year, obviously, with SIU, and we didn't get the chance to play Murray. It's probably a good thing they would have blown our doors off. But no, this was a barn burner game, and it was one. Of, it was the latest game, and as we know, Boya from San Francisco, he he lit the world on fire. He had over 30 points uh, and put himself on the NBA map, even though he was already there. No, this was a great game, athletic game. And San Francisco didn't have, you know, one of their best bigs, one that we faced. So they were kind of undermanned, but they still almost found a way. No, it was a great game in their first game, Murray's. Yeah, it was uh, definitely one of the, I'd say the, one of the best games of the first round, not the whole tournament. Um, Yeah, it's just, um, those veteran guys on Murray, like KJ Williams, just they found a way to win. Um, that's who they've been. That's who they were all season long. Murray State, uh, they found themselves down a lot of times in some OVC games, um, but they battled and fought through things and found a way to win. And they they had different guys step up the whole season. And um, yeah, a really fun game to watch. Um, but. Uh, 18 points from K.J. Williams, uh, which six came in overtime, um, helped them um, get to the next round. Yeah, five-point overtime uh, victory. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned K.J. Him, Justice Hill, and Tevin Brown all tore it up with Skipper Brown and Hannibal off the bench. Uh, and we know the futures of a couple of those guys we'll get to down the road. Uh, so that was a good matchup. And like Patrick Tape, he had a decent game too. Boya had 36. So he definitely, he's just finesse score. We've seen that this year. So they they sent the Dons home packing and then no other next game. And we were going to get to uh, uh, their loss to St. Peter's. They they lost by 10 to St. Peter's, the 15 seed, the Cinderella that got all the way to, to the Elite Eight before your Tar Heels beat them yesterday. Heck of a run. And this was a, this was a heck of a game. Uh, it's crazy seeing how St. Peter's got all this way, beating Kentucky, Murray, and Purdue to get there. And this was an odd game. We were obviously cheering for Murray. Murray had a lot of chances in this one. I'm pretty sure they just missed a lot of free throws. They were not a good free throw shooter. They went uh, 8 of 24 from three, but they went 
Well, they went 16 of 25. St. Peter's shot just as many. So this was a crazy game as well. Ten-point loss. Uh, Noah, which I think – Murray just gets in total foul trouble. They had some, a lot of spread score, not a whole lot off their bench. Uh, we didn't say who was the forward for them that got hurt in the previous game and didn't play in this one. I didn't go back and look. Uh, I'm trying to think up top of my head. Oh, uh, Collins. Yeah, Carter played Collins. two minutes. Yes. Yeah, he played – only scored four points on the season, but he was a senior and a starter, uh, and he got hurt two minutes in and didn't play the rest of the way. So they might have used him in that second one. I don't know, but they lost by 10. It's unfortunate because that was a crazy good Murray State team. Like I said, we'll get to the futures of some of them and the and their coach. They did have a coaching change. We'll get to that as well. But, Noah, speaking of St. Peter's, uh, since they were going on this run, it was funny because you sent me – uh, that day, as soon as they beat Purdue, that there was a post a gentleman had on Facebook, and it got around, and we posted about it on ours. They had a post about uh, after you know people remember St. Peter's before this run that SIU faced them in the first round of the NIT in 1967, and St. Peter's was the highest scoring team in the nation, and we were known for our defense back then. Uh, and there was about St. Peter's coach Mal Dolph a week before the game, apparently, and that they so you like to sit on the ball and hold the ball, not let him play. And he said, Coach Jack Hartman heard enough. Saluki's played running gun from the opening tip off, and they beat him by 65 points, which is incredible. I, I want to say that's actually like 45 points. Uh, 45 points. Uh, and then they went on to beat Duke, Rutgers, and Marquette for that title. No, that's cool. And we didn't know that unless we went back and saw, but that's a cool tidbit. And we had a fun tweet about that uh, all the way back then. And that was a, that was a cool little thing. Go back in time there. Yeah. Obviously uh, if you talk about SIU's history and the NIT run, obviously you think about all the games I remember talking about or talking with my grandpa, cause uh, he's a big Saluki fan. And uh, remember he always talks about the Marquette game and at the, um, playing in New York City, which that's now with it. And back then, he always always tells me when we talk about that team is uh, that the NIT back then is just was just as big as the NCAA tournament, and it meant a lot. And uh, um, seeing what the NIT has now become, and now that they're not going to play them in New York anymore, which is kind of sad. But yeah, that's that's always great history. Um, guys like Walt Fraser, a legend here, and now what he became in the NBA. It's just uh, – um, and legendary Jack Hartman as a coach. That's just a uh, good bit of history of hearing that uh, we actually had played St. Peter's before. Yeah, I think they have a little bit of a history back then. They were good a long time ago, and here and there, I think they've made tournament appearances before. I could be wrong on that. But they've, they've had a decent history. But, yeah, none of us had heard of them before this run. So that was cool. Uh, to see all the way back then because we obviously yeah we know that 6017 uh very well so there's that so st peter's like i said uh lost to north carolina yesterday so their cinderella run is over uh so now no let's segue to the nit we know we had a couple teams in this as well northern iowa and missouri state uh both had favorable draws or i'd say you and i did missouri state definitely didn't uh they got one seed in oklahoma and porter moser uh which was we thought obviously was a you know good matchup. It's ironic that they faced off with each other. I wonder if how much Porter you know knew and, and they beat him by 17 points. It was kind of a blowout, but digging into it, uh, 
you'd have to say that Porter, you know, obviously knew these players from Missouri State from just last year or the year prior and knew kind of how to guard them. And Oklahoma had a good year. They barely were on the outside looking in on the big tournament. Uh, but, no, this was a close game at first, and Oklahoma uh, uh, went away with it. Uh, Gibson on Oklahoma had 20 – Umoja Gibson had 28 points. He couldn't miss a shot. But, no, he was matched with 28 from Isaiah Mosley, who – uh, we knew he was going to show out, especially with this game. What was it on ESPN two? I think so. And we were watching it for sure. And no, he showed out 28 points, 10 rebounds. He was really the main cog in this game because Gage Prim didn't really get going offensively, but Isaiah got put or, you know, got put on the, like I said, ESPN two and got put on the map a little bit, maybe for uh professional, uh, you know, scouts or anything. That was cool. Yeah, it's he definitely put on a show if that is his uh last game as a bear, but obviously, yeah, a lot of scouts probably watching him. Um, but um he's one big domino in the valley offseason that that has yet to uh fall. We have not heard anything about it. We know right around Arch or the end of Arch Madness that um it was put an article was put out there about uh a deal that would keep him there. Um, for NLI, so uh, um, you have to hear anything on him. We do know they've lost a couple guys, but yeah, that was a uh, Porter and his had a good game plan. Um, the Groves brothers inside, but and jo- Jordan Goldwire, a grad transfer from uh, Duke, um, had a really good game. Lukai struggled, he was 0 9 from the field, only had two points. And, uh, yeah, Prem, 4 of 10, struggled a little bit with their size, but um, not enough offense in the second half for the Bears. No, Tanner Groves gave Prem uh, a tough time. And, uh, yeah, you're right, he didn't shoot very well. So that's how their season ended, Noah, and we'll get to them down the road again. Uh, but didn't you say earlier that Gage Prem is joining that three-on-three tournament? Yeah, he has been invited to that. Um, he's the only Valley member that I have seen so far. Uh, the Valley the Valley and the Horizon League combined to have a team, five players. Um, we remember um, Armand Fletcher and Phil Fain and those those guys uh, had a good chance to win it, win it a couple, couple years ago. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, uh, all I've seen is Gage Prim is going to play. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, we love Gage Prim's game, and it's sad that he's out of the conference. It's a good thing because he just dominated us, but we love watching him play. He's a really good talent. We'll follow his professional career and what happens in Uriah. With Isaiah and his teammates, we'll talk about their futures uh, by the end of this. So, no, let's move on to Northern Iowa, which they were at SLU and Chaffetz Arena, and we got the chance to go because we said, why not? You know, we want we like watching you and I play in SLU, of course, as well. So you and I is back in St. Louis where they were just two and a half weeks ago at that time or two weeks with Arch Madness. And, oh, they gave it to the Billikens. It was a 12-point victory, but they got out of hand at some points. We were sitting near the top, and it, it was a fun game. We found out that uh, – uh, I don't know, I'm blanking on his name. Point Yuri, guard for Yuri Slew. Collins. Yuri Collins, first team, all A-10. Uh, wasn't playing. We didn't really see what his injury was. It was kind of undisclosed. He would have made a difference in this game, so they had to they had to start someone we've never heard of. But they had their usual team, Francis Okoro and all. Uh, but they were no match, Noah, because you and I shot 
uh, 16 of 37 from three, let alone the fact that they just made 16. They shot 37, which is incredible. Uh, but, no, they were going in, and it led by Burhau, A.J., and Noah Carter, their big three, uh, dominated. And they had nice bench performance from Bowen Bourne with eight off the bench. They just couldn't miss Noah. And as soon as that place got loud, which it did, Burhau would make a three or A.J. would come down and make, make an NBA three to silence the crowd at times. That, that was cool watching the Panthers – or showing that crowd what the Missouri Valley is about, and you and I represented them well in this butt whooping. Yeah, that that's uh, we got to saw right, we got to see right there. That's the that's the U and I team that won the regular season title for the Missouri Valley, and uh, yeah, they didn't show up in uh, St. Louis very well. And good good thing that they got to come back to St. Louis and get a victory. Um, even if Yuri Collins would have played with you and I shooting like that, they would have still won, but uh, it would have just been a better ball game in general. Yeah, I think Slew just turned it over a lot, maybe turnovers that Yuri doesn't make. Uh, but, yeah, a quality game from them moving on to where then they played in their second game in the second round. They had to go all the way to BYU over on the West Coast or in the West, so a long trip. And I think they played, they lost 90 to 71. So their season ended in a blowout as well. But uh, pretty sure they played them tight. Noah Carter had a really good game. We'll get to his future down the road as well. Him, AJ, and Burhow again, really good. I think they shot 11 of 20 from three in the first game. They did struggle in this one. Uh, but Noah Sadison, we know BYU is good. We know they, you know, are in the WCC with, with Gonzaga and them. So they were a quality team, and it's probably not a tough or an easy place to play, but, no, that's where the Panthers' season ends. Yeah, it was a uh, – Gideon George was just too much. He had 27. Um, Alex Barcelo, Tijon Lucas, the Milwaukee transfer. Um, just a really well, well-rounded BYU team. Um, Carter and A.J. and Burhau, um just wasn't enough. I mean, BYU is really – Really talented team, um, just didn't couldn't get it done out there on the road, um, as we know. And uh, BYU lost in the next round as well. So um, I haven't followed the NIT since you and I got eliminated. I'm not sure who's left. Right, not sure either. So a really good year for the Panthers. Yeah, regular season champs. Uh, so they had a successful season when it when it looked like they weren't going to. We know the tribulations they had during the season. So good season for them. Like I said, we'll get to their future here shortly. So now, now Noah, let's go to the one-seeded Drake Bulldogs in the CBI tournament, uh, which they had a dominating first game performance against uh, uh, Fort Wayne or Purdue Fort Wayne, uh, eighty-seven to sixty-five victory. An all-around effort for the Bulldogs. OK had 20 off the bench, shot really well, 6 of 8 from 3, Sturts 14, DeVries 14, and, and Tank 11. No, this was a tournament that, and we'll get to their next game, uh, that Drake had to show out in. And that's a, a lot scoring and a big blowout in their first game here. Being the one seed, they had to show this. Yeah, we know uh, we know that the secret secret scrimmage was against Purdue for Purdue-Fort Wayne for us early in the year. And uh, we beat them without playing our best basketball. That's what we were told. And, uh, yeah, this was this was one set up where Drake um, could go down to uh, Daytona Beach and uh, 
win a championship. And, uh, yeah, they showed out in that first game. Okai really, really is career high. I mean, shooting the ball that well. They played um, – I'm pretty sure Jonah Jackson got to play in this term as well. So, And uh, they beat uh, Loyola transfer Jalen Pipkins, um, who had 13-11, but um, did a really good job on him. Uh, but, yeah, too much offense for from the Bulldogs in this one. Yeah, it's crazy thinking back to Purdue Fort Wayne that that was our secret scrimmage in Indy that we did hear about that we played we didn't play well but won and that was good hearing at the time I guess even though we kind of wanted to blow their doors off that or I don't remember I get Trent and Cash I don't think played in that game so we still managed to that was a long time ago so yeah uh, and then no other next game UNC Wilmington they lost by one but they had an over twenty point lead in this game didn't they Yeah, they were um, they had it. In, in they were going to go to the next round and uh, um, just blew a late lead. I mean, really surprised by this. Um, the veteran team, they would uh, blow a big-time lead like that in the second half. Um, Shaquem Phillips tied his career high for UNC Williamton um, with 24 and was just too much offense. Uh, Shanquan Hemphill. Um, led the way for the Bulldogs with 15, and uh, only good thing out of this is UNC Williamton did go on to win the CBI tournament, so uh, they at least lost to the champion. That's right. So that is unfortunate with some of the guys they have going out, and that's why they took this tournament. And Like I said, a great showing in the first game, but then they, they uh, screwed the pooch in that second one. So every Valley team season came to an end not too long ago. It's good to see because, I mean, it, obviously seeing this many teams and stuff. It's good to see two Valley teams in NIT. Uh, and obviously just overall, it's good seeing that many teams in tournaments. And for the most part, showing out, Missouri State just played a really tough team. So it was good. And Loyola just didn't play well. So overall, it was good for all those teams to do what they did in the postseason. And then no, uh, also, I wanted that, or Belmont lost to Vanderbilt. So obviously, Belmont's coming in. They lost to Vanderbilt by 11. Uh, so wanted to get that in there as well. Um, so yeah, that's how all the postseason tournaments happen. So moving on uh, to the next one, I want to have a quick topic here, Noah, because uh, you know we listened to March of the Arch podcast and they were talking recently about. I think it was in the yeah it had to, yeah it was in the it was in the season finale they had they've had one since then, but they go back and talk about the expectation to get to the NCAA tournaments and. You know, as Missouri Valley teams and even from our perspective, uh, that the expectation should be. I mean, obviously, and we hear Brian all the time say that, you know, we want to win national championships and that's, you know, never going to happen. But it's the fact that the mindset's there. And I'm sure that's the case with everybody. And we've seen teams from the Valley obviously go really far. The teams that aren't in the Valley anymore, because we haven't. I mean, we know you and I has made runs before and vice and all that stuff. But no, what should the expectation be? The expectation is to win games, obviously. And even Loyola, we thought, you know, had a good matchup and they couldn't get it done. And I guess, like I said, I think we're thinking from our perspective that the expectation is getting to the NCAA tournament. Noah, as a mid-major team and conference, there's always going to be someone going to the tournament, obviously. But even from our point of view and a lot of teams, the expectation is get to the NCAA tournament. What do you think? Yeah, most definitely. And especially um, as a Valley as a whole, um, the expectation is to have multiple – be a multi-bid league 
And obviously with the addition of Belmont and Murray, that's going to even improve it more. Um, two years ago, or yeah, two or last year we had two tournament teams. This year we only got one. Um, but we know we have multiple multiple teams every year that's a NCAA tournament team and uh, a team teams that can go win a game or two in the tournament. But, yeah, that's definitely the goal. Um, obviously, the NIT is always – any postseason is always good to play in, but everybody's goal should be getting to the, the big dance. Yeah, like I said, unless you're a Wichita or Loyola and you magically get to the Final Four, you know, it's so rare that it's like you'll have that every now and then, but just the fact that getting to the big dance and being on Selection Sunday is the goal. Like I said, from our point of view, and it depends what point of view you are, but we haven't been there in 15 years. So it's like we want – that's like our ultimate goal because we know maybe we won't have the same kind of success when we get there. Uh it, that is that all would just play out how it would, but just that is definitely the goal. And I, they said, and it's some of them on that pod really didn't think so. So that's why I wanted to bring it up in ours because I think we both agree that it definitely is every year to get to the NCAA tournament. So there's that. And then, no, we'll just stay on, you know, before we get to our season recap and then a lot of other stuff, some more topics here. Uh, I know there was an article like what a, a week or so ago about somebody was just mentioning and, and it's worth mentioning just in general, because it's a fun little topic about uh, the, in the Missouri Valley tournament relocating. A lot of people are, you know, you know, hit whatever with it being in St. Louis, you know, for good reasons or bad. I just wanted to hear your perspective. I think we talked about it before, but I think they were just saying how stale St. Louis seemed to be and stuff compared to like other, you know, other cities and where it would go. I just think, you know, it's been here forever. I, obviously, our conference is, you know, started in St. Louis and nothing else tournament-wise. We know the NCAA tournament comes to St. Louis quite a bit, but conference tournament-wise, no one else has it. And I think that's where it's strict to us, you know, which which is great. And then the fact that, you know, if you talk about things for uh, – uh, Yeah, I just think with, you know, with the entertainment side of it, you know, we know Ballpark Village is huge and they've done a great job with that. That's, you know, even the, we know Loyola stayed, you know, in Ballpark Village, that new hotel they had, and that is a great entertainment place. So I think, and we even went to some of the other places to eat and stuff. I think it's a perfect town for it. Uh, I know it's just an idea. It wouldn't happen. I just didn't know your perspective. A lot of people just, you know, think, you know, maybe the potential is there, but I think St. Louis is solely for us. It's called Arch Madness. It kind of kicks everything off. So it's great. I just didn't know what your opinion was on it. Yeah, obviously it's, it's, uh, it's a great city to host it. Um, there's no other real great option to go. I mean, obviously Chicago is a big city, but, there's not a great place to host it up there. Um, obviously, now that we have Belmont, Nashville is always a good option, but they have the uh, the SEC Women's Tournament down there. So um, then St. Louis is just central to all the teams. It's just it's too good of a place. And obviously, um, yeah, they didn't have some things this year that we griped about, like the decorating, but that's not a big deal. And uh, 
with uh just adding all the good restaurants to eat there i mean there's no reason to move it no and they put on a great show obviously inside of enterprise center and stuff uh throughout it's just a great experience uh yeah, you're right. It's central to every team. That's exactly right. And you said Nashville with the women's for the SEC. That just made me think about uh, the men's SEC. And I think that one moves around. I know it was in Florida this year, but I think that moves around a lot. It made me think that theirs was there, too. Um, I'm sure it has before. So that'd be the only other spot. Yeah, but I think St. Louis is perfect. I don't, I don't see it ever leaving uh, there, barring anything. So I just wanted to get that out there. And then, Noah, uh, I just had a thing about – quickly remembering like you know favorite or least favorite and most disappointing valley moments this year i know march <clears throat> march to the arch had that and even if it's like siu related or i'd say most disappointing from a valley perspective is loyalist performance in the tournament you know we know we were going to have two valley or two you know bid valley teams in the tournament potentially i think that was a disappointment maybe the non-cons that you know some teams had was kind of underwhelming i think they mentioned that but i'd say loyola you know, laying it, laying an egg in the tournament, even though it was against a good team, kind of was the most disappointing Valley moment of the season. But other than that, no, we know the Valley season was deep and great. So what would you say any of those moments for you or even some moments for us? Yeah, as an overall Valley perspective, obviously um, roller coaster of a season for most of the Valley teams, especially non-con, it wasn't good. Um, Valley had – a lot of opportunities um, to uh, put us out there and maybe um, show that we're a multi-bid league. Um, not very many bright spots um, of of the Valley season, um, especially non-con. But um, obviously, we know our season was such a roller coaster. Could not get any consistency um, out of a lot of our players, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, definitely not the postseason didn't go as planned for the Valley as well. So uh, really just ended disappointing. And uh, we know that the Valley is a lot better than what it showed in the postseason. For sure. And I mentioned us. We'll just get to them because we'll, we'll pick apart a lot of the games here shortly. That's actually what we'll get into next is the full season recap. One of them, just wanted to talk about, you know, postseason tournaments and all this leading up to it and some other topics from around the Valley season before we get into other things around the Valley later. So now, no, let's jump into, like you said, this roller coaster season. I remember saying this, what if season, we've had a pod since then when we recapped, you know, our game against Drake and we did in the season on a two game losing streak and finished with a 16 and 15 record. We knew it was looking great. We knew we were going to finish above 500 this year after we beat Illinois state on senior night. And then made the uh, the Drake trip, lost, obviously not getting barely in a shot off at their place like it was at our place and stuff. And then obviously the Valley Tournament. Uh, so, no, let's jump into – let's go just semi-game for game and just think about games that we blew or games that we barely won, some games that stick out and what happened in those games potentially. But first, uh, me and you, obviously, we, we previewed the – I think we talked about it obviously before the season of what our record could be, you know, via our, our schedule. When we looked over, we know some things changed with COVID along the way, not a whole lot, but no, right away or thinking about what we predicted our season to be. We had a, at least a 20 win season predicted, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we had it at uh 20 and 10, um, not counting 
arch madness games, but 20 and 10. And uh, obviously we ended up uh, really close to that. And we know we could have easily got that because, I mean, that was definitely doable because we had a very, very, to me, we, we complained about the non-con, how um, we weren't, weren't going to get really challenged in it. And uh, we need, we wanted to play some better games, but uh, yeah, definitely we had it as 20 games winning this season, which um, a lot of games we, we should have won could have easily won that got that. Yeah. I think 20 was never out of reach of our possibility. I think we were kind of like saying, yeah, 20 seems like a lot. We know we've had 20 win seasons previously. Um so it was kind of like, yeah, it could definitely happen. And you're right, yeah, fin- or finishing 16 and 15, we almost got there. So let's dive into these games, some that we lost to maybe get to the 20-win mark. And it starts out with the very first one of the year, Noah, the one that we drove to and had a lot of fun going to Little Rock to watch us on the road, first game of the season. Uh, and we lost by three. Remember that game vividly, obviously? It was back and forth. Uh, there were points that we couldn't stop them on offense. And then the main part of this one, as we remember, was the turnovers. We had 23 turnovers. They only had 10. And no, it was Cash came off the bench here. It was against his former team. Surprised he didn't start. We know he was gradually getting back into the season. Uh, Marcus struggled 414, and Lance had 21. But no, obviously, we, we lost by three, and we kind of had it at one point in this game, just thinking about it from a whatever standpoint. But no, losing by three, it's not how we wanted to kick off the season. Like I said, the 20 something turnovers was the main reason why. So there's there's one uh, game right there that could have uh, propelled us closer to 20. This one, this one was a tough one to start the season on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people said after that game, oh, well, is this our first game? But um, going into a team like that, I mean, a Sunbelt Conference team, um, we had to take care of business to start the year. And uh, it was just a really disappointing game. I mean, um, just like most of our season, it was a roller coaster. Um, I think Lance ended up leading our way with 21, but uh, just too many turnovers and uh, lose just like that. You lose by three um, and ended up Little Rock finished uh, bottom of the Sun Belt. Last. Yeah, bottom of the Sun Belt, which is just, it just ticks me off now thinking about it even more, but just can't, can't go on the road to, a team like that and lose. I mean, we had to take care of business right away and we did not. No, and what we remember from Little Rock is we said after every game that we would follow that team season the rest of the way and we'll get to some more that we did as well. But seeing, yeah, seeing them finish last does not look good. I don't know if they dealt with injuries. We know they had a couple decent players, but yeah, there's no reason for us to lose that game to kick off the year. I mean, Tyler started, Dalton started, like we said, Cash didn't and JD wasn't in the lineup yet. And Anthony, 16 minutes, six points, five rebounds, two assists, had a really good start. Ben Harvey, 27 minutes to kick off the season. And we know Trent Brown didn't play in this one. He was, we knew right before the game that he wasn't going to play with the back, and that hindered him at the very beginning of the season. So there's that loss. Yeah, right away, three-point, 23 turnovers, terrible, 0-1 on the season. No other we bounced back the next one, as we remember, Austin P, who had a really good freshman. Surprising we haven't seen him in the portal yet, as an example, but uh, – Hutchins Everett, freshman 6'11". Uh, 
he ended up with 19 and 33 minutes in this game. We beat him by 18. But, no, this was a good bounce. We went on Tariq Silver. We recruited him. They were an okay team, but we knew we had to take advantage of them, Noah, because Austin P ended up uh, where they end up. In the Fifth. middle of the pack, about eight – yeah, eight and ten in their conference in the Ohio Valley. Uh, but we knew – I think this was this was close at first, and then we pulled away. They had a terrible second half, Austin P did. It was cool to see that freshman, Noah, so it was good to bounce back in this game like we knew we should have. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we we came back. Obviously, our team did mo- did that all year long. I mean, after a loss, they bounced back. Um, first home game, uh, really good. Um, Lance Jones, 22 points. I mean, we got 15 from Marcus. I mean, we showed some offense right there, and it just shows that um, – we should be should probably been two and zero going into the Paradise Jam. Um, probably um, would have been some good momentum. Obviously, going in that Colorado game. Yeah, let's jump into that. And that was the by the way the Austin P game was the first one. Obviously, we we didn't no fans were allowed, and you know last season, so it was good to be back in Bent. We know we were we were in there for some exhibitions, and we'll go back to something maybe from that here in a second, but outside of exhibitions, it was good to have the first game that mattered in Van Terrison or that game. So yeah, a week went by and then, and the team was in the paradise Jam in the uh, Virgin islands. And yeah, we kicked it up I and mean, talk about the way you want to, you know, play right away. And we mentioned the, the tournament from a couple of years ago that we went to in Florida. We didn't expect the one game we win. We didn't expect to win. We expected to win the others. And it, it was the total opposite. But, yeah, first game in this one, Noah, Colorado, who we knew, uh, you know, was an okay team going into this season because we know they're just, you know, they're a Pac-12 team. They're a decent team. And we went in with a victory in this one, Noah, led by Stephen Verplankins, 18 on 7 of 10 shooting. Uh, Marcus, 17. Lance had 14. They had, And Colorado had spread scoring from their starting lineup. But, no, this was a back-and-forth game. We remember just craziness that happened in this one. We know Stephen almost made a half-court shot. Uh, Batty got in foul trouble a lot, but he was automatic from – it was a weird game, but, no, we irked it out and a really big Colorado team. They were they had the, probably the biggest size we've seen all season. That was a really fun game. Yeah, that was uh, definitely our best win of the season. Um, getting a team like that, I mean, uh, they think they finished fourth in the Pac-12. They uh, lost in the first round to the – St. Bonaventure, I believe, in the NIT, but so they were an NIT team. And uh, yeah, that's our best one of the season. And probably maybe the, I mean, that's probably when we we're riding high the most during that. Yeah, like we said, a crazy game. And you're right, they finished fourth, which seems crazy in a good conference. I think they were, you know, struggling at one point this season and they turned around, finished 21 and 12. And you're right, made the NIT. So that looked good on us. I remember people were talking about John Rothstein made a tweet about it or something. So it looked good from a natural national perspective, which is what we always want. Uh, and at this point, uh, JD and Cash were still off the bench. Dalton and Land and Steven started and Kyler. Steven had 40 or played 40 minutes. Uh, Kyler struggled. But, yeah, great game. Riding high, that means we were moving on and playing the night game. The next game against a Northeastern team who beat – what Brown that first game and uh, Northeastern was a team. We obviously we were previewing them and they were a team we thought we should be. We lost by 12. It was a weird game, Noah, because Marcus shot one of 14 from the field at six and five. 
Lance, you know, Lance was off to a really good start. He led us in scoring for the season, like the first half of the season. He had 21 in this one. Cash had 10 off the bench. They were still off the bench. Uh, but, no, this is a weird game. Like I said, one that we don't really – or I don't remember fully because it was kind of like, a, you know, we needed to win and we didn't. It kind of just went by and we lost the way we did. Chris Doherty was good for them. We know he transferred from wherever, 14 and 13. Oh, this was an odd game when we lost. I mean, it was as simple as that. Yeah, another game where uh, we thought we could win, but um, just up and downs like we've been talking about all year. I mean, they ended – I'm pretty sure they ended up finishing last in their conference, only won nine games. I mean, it's uh, – some of these losses, if you look back and look what where they finish – how they finish their year, it's just a bad look. I mean, um, going into that one, you thought you could – we could squeak by in that one, um, then get a really good Colorado State team in the championship. Um, but, yeah, it's just another bad loss, in my opinion. Um, didn't play very well. Definitely a bad loss, especially when Marcus shoots like that. You're not going to win anyway. They had some nice players. But, yeah, they went 2-16 two, two and 16 in their conference and 9-22 of 22 overall. It's crazy how these seasons turn out. Because at the time, we didn't play well, but I think they played decently well. Like I said, they had some talented players. So, we flushed that one, and we had a day off in between, so I thought we'd play a little better than we did, uh, being the home team. So, and then, no, we get Creighton. And you say Colorado State, yes, we didn't get to play them, and they made the tournament. We know David Roddy and them, they would have blown our doors off potentially. They were a really good team this year. But we got Creighton, and, you know, going back to the glory days, that was the talk before this one and during. Uh, haven't played each other in a long time. And we know the players that they've had, Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, we you know we saw him in high school. He was the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Him, Nimhart, who got hurt, the Big East Freshman of the Year. He hit a big shot in this one. Hawkins. I mean, they had the same team as they got because they made the NCAA tournament, won a game. Uh, no, just looking at the roster. I mean, Trey Alexander. We know he played good in the NCAA tournament. I mean, some of these guys. He, he didn't score. It's crazy how we played this well with them. Uh, this is the first game we saw JD and Cash start. And we that, – because that's how bad the Northeastern game was. But Kyler was really good off the bench, him and Dalton moving to the bench. Good game for them, Noah, but we know how it ended. Ryan Nembhard went full court, and we kind of tried to press him, let him go all the way for a buzzer beater, and could have took it to overtime. We know how big of a win this could have been and how Creighton's season ended up. This would have been a huge one. That one was a heartbreaker. Yeah, that would have been um... – Obviously, that would have ended up our best win of our season besides the Colorado one. And uh, blowing a lead, a late lead like we did. Um, but that just shows – that just showed us right there that this team was capable to play with anybody that um, we faced and uh, that we could beat anybody that we thought that matched up with us with a good game plan uh, we had. I mean – Kyler's 10, then Dalton's 7 was really big. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was obviously the first first lineup change we had and uh, just another blowing a late lead like that, just a disappointing loss. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, as we were leaving and the team was leaving, I'm sure they were confident moving forward because of the performance they put up against good teams in this tournament. Uh, like we said, we expected to lose to Colorado and whatever happened, and we didn't, and then we almost beat Creighton. It was a good sign moving forward. And we know Cray, like I said, made the NCAA tournament, lost Kalkbrenner from, to injury. Like I said, they lost Nemhart. They beat San Diego State and then lost to uh, uh, Kansas. 
uh, in the round of 32 in a, in a tough game. So they were tough all season. They managed to go without Nembhard the rest of the way and played really well. So kudos to them and McDermott on the season that they had. So, yeah, coming out of uh, the Virgin Islands, you know, kind of with our head held high, knowing we play relatively well for the most part. And know we turn around and host Alcorn State, who uh, gave us a scare in this one. I was we only beat them by three. Alcorn State uh, finished the top of their conference. They finished five. They were in a bad conference overall. The records in this conference, yikes. Uh, but no, they had a decent season. But we definitely shouldn't have. Like I said, the confidence was there out of the tournament that we come by and almost come back and almost lose this game would have been terrible. Yeah, obviously. Uh... Would have been terrible. I mean, they had their chances in that game to retake the lead from us. Um, JD missed two free throws with like 10 seconds left. But uh, that's when Lance got that offensive rebound and uh, um, got the and one to uh, set the final score to get us a win. But, yeah, that would have been um, an awful loss. I mean – that conference they play in that a lot of those teams play those road games against the big schools to get money. And they have terrible records, but they get to the tournament. Um, I think Texas Southern um, ended up winning their conference tournament to get in. So uh, yeah, that just would have been a big scare. Um, Especially losing that one. If you would have lost that one, it'd been even, even worse. For sure. So we finished November Losing the Little Rock close, should have won. Northeastern was a tough one. And then Creighton lost by two. So we could have had a way better first month. So we, you know, Creighton and Little Rock, we, those are two that stuck out obviously most in their final record of ones we should have won. They got us to 19 wins, let's say. So that's how that played out. But we know Alcorn and Colorado easily could have been losses. And that's just the name of the game in a season. So that's November. And then, no, we know the first conference game we had was at Evansville. The craziness that Evans was going through right now losing players we'll get to and still having head coach talk Licklider at the helm we'll get to them but knowing this game we only won by two and we know Marcus hit that uh well let's talk about the the run that we had the start of the game was incredible huge run and then you know Shamar Givens who put up 31 in this game we know Lance didn't play in this game and if he did Shamar wouldn't have had 31 it wouldn't have been as tight uh, but no, a two-point victory, and that was thanks to Marcus's shot, which was arguably, uh, you know, the shot of the season, per se, and being on the road and everything. And it was a shot that he could have had a lot more as the season went on to win us a couple more games. But no, this was definitely a scare. We know the, the season Evansville had, but it was a great shot and, a uh, like I said, a, a, a really close first conference game. Yeah, it was that weird first of December conference game they threw out there to all teams. and. Uh... Yeah, big-time shot, um, blew a massive halftime lead. Um, credit to Schmar Givens and uh, um, big-time shot by Marcus. I mean, 31 of the 52 that Shamar had, so that's just crazy. So, moving on, Noah, the next game, we're back at home, Southern Miss. We beat them by 25. We know Isaiah Moore got a tech and didn't play the rest of the game. We know he just entered the portal. He's really talented. If he played the second half, who knows? But getting a 25-point victory – uh, but that, yeah, that Evansville could have flip-flop win or loss. So that's one on the record that could have stuck out, you know, per se. So so we kill Southern Miss, and then, Noah, we go to Tulsa. We, You're right. You said at the beginning our non-con could have been a little better, and Tulsa finished at the bottom of the uh, American Conference. 
uh, or second to last, but they were not a good team all season, and we barely lost to them. We know this was the Cash Coupette game. He had 27, was shooting incredible. He was 6 of 11 from three. And Marcus had 16, but, you know, Lance didn't show up, and a couple other things. We had some key bad turnovers at the end. Uh, but, no, this was a game. Like So three of the biggest – uh, or three big non-con games we should have won to help our record. No, we had this one in the, in the grasp, didn't we? Jariah Horn was good for them, but this was one we should have won, especially when Cash puts up a 27-point effort like that. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Lane's getting in foul trouble didn't help, and J.D. fouled out. Um, just not – I mean, I think it ended up getting down eight at halftime, but we battled back like we always do, and – Ran out, ran out of gas and couldn't finish it off like we always do. No, that would definitely was a tough one. So should have won that one, arguably. And then we hosted SEMO, beat them by 25. We just had a group play. Our, probably our best half of the season, one of them for sure. Killed them in this game. Uh, we know SEMO went off to have an okay season the rest of the way. And I think Brad Corn's – we think Brad Corn's got that thing going in the right way. Hosted Maryville, beat them by 20. We both were working, didn't care to make that one, obviously. Beat them by 20. And then, oh, we talked about San Francisco making the tournament, facing Murray. Uh, we made the West Coast trip all the way over there, and it was close all game. We made a late push in that one, lost by 12. Uh, and we were going to talk about how, how Marcus played against some of these other top teams. 0 for 10 in this game, only had six points. That was clearly the difference. We, J.D. had 11 and 5, a great game for him. Uh, but we mentioned whoever – which is their big man, Mosasowski? Yeah. yeah, he's the one that didn't play in the tournament. He was really good for them, 18, and Boya had 20. No, like I said, this was a game we made close near the end and then it pushed away, but this was one. I'm not saying we should have won it, but, you know, it, it was a tight game. We should have made it a little closer than that at the end. Yeah, just, it just shows you how good of a team uh, San Fran was. I mean, we couldn't – Bouye made it look like he was just out there playing um, – Playing with a bunch of like looked he was like in he, practice, or yeah, something. looked yeah, looked like he was at a rec league, just messing around with the guys and just getting shots up. That's how easy it looked. Um, like John Morant back when he came to the came to the arena and blew our barn doors off, and uh, yeah, and Masasowski just too good. I mean, um, it'd been they probably beat Murray if he's able to play in the tournament. Probably, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, that was just outmatched. I mean, battled back though. Tried to keep it close, but they're just too good in the end. For sure. And we know they played Loyola as well. And Loyola beat them. That was a COVID makeup game that they ended up doing on a neutral court. So a good season for Sanford. And that was one we definitely earned the L that we say wouldn't have flip-flopped, even though we made it close in time. So uh, so that really ended our non-con outside of Grambling. We hosted them, beat them by 11. I think there was a little bit of a scare in that one potentially, but uh now, no, heading to conference play, the Drake game got postponed uh, a couple or a week after we remember, obviously, the start of the year, the COVID thing, we pushed the games back. But, no, we started at Falpo, our second conference game of the year. And we'll get to, obviously, when we go through the players and their seasons in general. This was the Dalton Banks game because he made some huge shots in this one to propel us to victory. Uh, we know Kithier dealt with injuries this year. He played in this one, and they had their best lineup out there. They had Rudinger. We did not see uh, – Tyler Anderson, Trevor Anderson this year, which he could have paid dividends for them. Marcus played a really good one, 23 points. Like I said, Dalton's 14, Lance had 11. Noah, this was a scare. We know our record at Valpo was not good, so this one could have been a coin flip of finishing games. 
I think this was a game. Let me look real fast. There are free throws. Yeah, seven of sixteen from the free throw line. That's where it would have cost us, honestly. Steven didn't even score in 23 minutes, but no, this was a good a scare, but at least we got a win at Valpo against, at the time, a decent team with a healthy team. Yeah, just blowing a 10-point uh, halftime lead again and uh, not being able to close out a game. Free throws and too many turnovers in that second half. Um, but uh, Marcus carried us, uh, had some good, good big plays by uh, Dalton Banks in that game. And... Uh, yeah, it was it was a tight game. Um, credit to them battling back, but yeah, too much Marcus in that game. Yeah, he bounced back, which was great to see. And this was a point when we were two and zero, and tied with Loyal at the top. And we said stop the count because we were one and two. And we saw that what the tournament could have been. It was funny, but yeah, Kobe King and Cricky had a really good one. So two and zero in conference, moving on. And then no, we went at Missouri State, which we were thinking, you know, we because we knew the games we had coming up some really tough games counting this one that we should have, you know, put up a fight and that we did. We only lost by five at their place and a, and a really tough game, some good spread scoring by our starting five outside of JD who didn't score. Our bench did. Okay. Kyler did. Okay. Uh, but I, no, Isaiah Mosley had 33, which at the time that was the most against us in a long time that he put up. And he was, he was getting anything he wanted in the paint in the mid range. We couldn't stop him. They only, they had, 11 bench points and Prim did okay. But no, this one was there for the taking as well. Like I said, I don't you know like what it could have been at the end. I guess we just couldn't stop Mosley and could have maybe done a little more on our end. This was a close game. It was honestly good to see against a good team we know on the road, first Road Valley game of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mosley was just too much. I mean, I, we had chances in that game to uh, take the lead, but um, – couldn't get it done too much. Isaiah Mosley, nobody could guard him. No, he's tough. So tough game, even though we accepted that loss. Uh, but then, no, let's get into the tough losses. Uh, the two biggest losses of the season for very, for I say for various reasons, but for pretty much the same reason. A one-point loss to you and I at home. That was whenever Lance made a half-court shot. We should have lost by four. But this was a game of not being able to stop Noah Carter in the paint. This is when – you know, at some point in the season, we talked about you and I, Noah Carter got put in the starting lineup for Austin Fife and took off. And AJ was making crazy long threes in this one. Marcus played great, and Lance had 43, you know, combined for them and cashed it well. It was just a game of not being able to, you know, and we'll get to this obviously, but key moments not scoring or not being able to get a stop and letting them go on a run and all that stuff happened, Noah, but Heartbreaking loss. We lost by one, like I said, but the half-court show would have made us lose by four. This was definitely a tough game uh, on the season, one that we should have won as well. Yeah, just another game where you're down double digits at half, battle back, and uh, can't finish it off. No, and then the Drake game, lost by one. We know this one very well. Um, the fact that we got a final shot, got 23 well, this whenever what Sturts got fouled, he got free throws. It was a stupid foul call. He made both free throws, and we went down. We get 20-something seconds, give Marcus the ball like we have all season. He waited too long to make a play because he gets double teamed in the middle of the floor and makes a late kick out to Dalton for a three. He barely even got it. He didn't get it off. So uh, a crazy game and a game that we should have won. Marcus was only one in double figures. And, Noah, this was a, a main part of our season was finishing. And, obviously, Marcus should have done a 
should have known how much time was left. And he even kind of said he didn't know what time was left. And that's what you do not want to see in division one games. And we know the record we had against these top teams all season. These last two could have helped us. You know, that was worst game in Brian's, you know, Brian, the Brian era. And, you know, one of the worst games in a long time. Yeah. Just key moments um, losing Garrett Sturts. I mean, he had 16 and eight. I mean, just, it's, it was the story all year, just battling back and not being able to finish off games. I mean, uh, it was a roller coaster. I mean, this was the tough stretch where that was your third loss in a row and you had a – and with the schedule coming up because of COVID paused, uh, you just had to – you had to get those wins at home. You always got to win your home games in the Valley uh, to finish in top half of the league. Yeah, this bottom line – you should always get a shot off with that much time. We'll get to another game that we had le- less time than that against the same team, and we couldn't barely get a shot off again as well. So inexcusable finish in that one. And then we host Indiana State win. We know uh, Cam Henry didn't play in this game. We didn't see him till the end of the season. Could have made a difference, only one by eight, like I said, and a nice game. So these games you know, weren't so bad. We go at Carver Arena with Bradley Noah. We lose by eight in a tough game. Seeing Terry Roberts for the first time, uh, he gave us 18 mast at 20, so their big two did the work and Tavanainen off the bench. Uh, Lance played really well in this game. Him and Terry were going at it, and we'll get to Terry Roberts. Kylo had a good game, one of his best games of the year. Marcus didn't shoot well, and that was a tough game on the road. Uh, do you got anything to add for these these previous two games? We'll kind of go – we'll kind of speed it up here a little bit. Yeah, that's just – one, we know it's tough to shoot there, and uh, besides Lance, we struggled to shoot. Um, we even out-rebounded him, but still lose. Yeah, I remember that was a big thing for Brian, obviously, of rebounding them and the fact that we could lose and out-rebound the best rebounding team in the, in the Valley. So then we get that uh, tough loss, and then we get Loyola for two in a row at their place and then at our place back-to-back games. The first game we had our moments, and it came down to a Lucas Williamson three he had a in both games he had a big three that kind of sealed the deal had a chance and at their place and we go to our place and we know a, a terrible offensive game a 44 to 39 game terrible shooting what was it 31 and 20 and 31 and 30 percent respectfully for both teams terrible game they squeaked it out another game that we should have had for the taking and could not finish the job no imagine if we would have imagine how our season could have unfolded in our confidence you know at that point if we would have beat Loyola both times let alone just that one home game that we definitely should have yeah most definitely I mean those were the two toughest games to watch all year long I mean the offensive droughts not only by us but by them too just ugly to watch I mean if I think it, it felt like they, were, they turned off the shot clock in that second game and they just stood at half court felt like Ugly, ugly, two rock fights, and we just couldn't get the job done, especially in that second game. I mean, there's one – there were up to three conference games that we probably should have won, and that changes the conference standings drastically. Exactly. This was the Chris Knight game as well. Uh, and then, you know, Cash only had two points. Just a terrible game overall. It was one we wanted to wash, but we knew it was another one in the – yes, in this roller coaster season. Uh, then we kill Valpo. We we come back and kill Valpo without Kithier, uh, but they still had a real a good lineup. You know, Cricky, Taylor, Rudinger, Edwards, and King, but they couldn't get the job done. They couldn't guard us. They only had two bench points. 
Lance had 22, 8 of 10 shooting. It's kind of surprised how bad we beat them. We know Valpo all season pretty much with a team on our tail of if we're going to be in, on Thursday or not. Uh, and that was a big win to keep some distance between us both. So, no, that's how January ended. Yeah, definitely a lot of games that could have swung the season conference-wise and record-wise because, like we said, with the 20 games we predicted, we got close. Terrible game here, Noah. There was uh, – it was kind of a – in this Missouri State game, they came to Carbondale. It was snow on the ground. Not a whole lot of people showed up, and they blew our doors off. Couldn't defend them. Isaiah only had 22. Him and Prim both had that. We couldn't score. Lance had 14. Actually, a good bench production. Dalton had nine, but it was in a blowout. We were kind of just scoring at will, I guess, there at the end. Uh, but, Noah, that was kind of where we thought our season was going to take a rough turn, even though – with those January games with this game kind of put the wind out of our sails being a home game that we kind of needed. Didn't expect to lose this bad. Yeah. I mean, just too much gauge Prem and Mosley. I mean, they combined for 40. Um, so it's just too much firepower. I mean, yeah, we just didn't play well turnovers. Um, struggled shoot. Marcus struggled. I mean, we've talked about his struggles, Against, I mean, that's credit to obviously Donovan Clay making him shoot tough jumpers. But um, if if Lance or Marcus ain't scoring over fourteen, um, Lance led it the way with fourteen. I mean, we're not winning any games. No, that was beyond a tough one. Uh, yeah, we just couldn't stop him. And then Noah, moving on, a fun game at Redbird Arena against Illinois State when Dan Muller was still coach. Uh, Lance went off for 31, Marcus at 18. We only won by six, even though you look at those two scoring like that. We only had eight bench points, all thanks to Kyler. Uh, but they played us well. We know Antonio, this is the game we kind of shut him down. He only had eight points in 34 minutes. And uh, But this was a fun one, and, and we irked it out. And Lance, this is when Lance propelled himself to being on an all-valley team, kind of, even though still had a lot of games left. But this one put him on the map and showed that he could score with – you know, you know, total wise, as much as anyone has in the whole conference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we ended up sweeping them, but uh, you have to beat those. Obviously, it was the story of the season. Um, we couldn't beat the teams above us, and uh, we swept all the teams below us. So, uh, I mean, you got to do that in the Valley. I mean, now, now there's even two, they're going to be, um, two more teams below us, so we're going to have to uh, sweep them. So uh, hopefully uh, we can continue that next, next year, um, taking care of business to the lower teams in the conference. Yeah, that was a, a part of our season of being just a strict middle-of-the-road middle pack and beating the teams that we know we should have. So that's something, a positive that we could take from this season for sure. And then we go back and we go at UNI. We know it was in – you know, such a tough place to play, and we kept it close at times. Lost by nine. Uh, AJ had 24. Never really nothing we could do at times, even though Noah Carter and Burhow had combined 14. They didn't play well. We just didn't have enough offense in this one. We had a chance to win, arguably. So that one was tough. And then, Noah, we host Evansville in a game where Lance finally played and Gibbons had 17 still. Uh, Bochamp, 19. Coleman, 18. Huge performances by all those guys, and almost had 12. It was Kyler's best game. He had six rebounds and then 10, 11, and 10, respectively, everybody else. Kind of spread scoring and, you know, in the not 10, but, uh, you know, this was a game that scared us as well. We know the, the season Evansville was having a terrible year, that this 
could have got out of hand at times and kudos to Bochamp and them for shooting really well. Uh, but we ended up escaping with the dub. Yeah. Another, um, another good Kyler game than another good Dalton Banks game. I mean, Dalton ended up with 11. I mean, that's big time. If uh, then Lance added 10, they got 10 from Steven. I mean, um, obviously we've seen it all year long. If we can, we know what we know what to expect out of Lance and Marcus, but it, we never knew what we were going to get from the rest of the guys. And obviously, that's a big part of the season. For sure. So after that win, started our four game winning streak that put us and confirmed us almost into the sixth seed. But that Bradley game where we hosted them, everyone played for them for the most part. Uh, and talk about the craziest. Brian burned two timeouts early. We were down eleven nothing. And we recall talking that they acted like they won the championship the way they acted. And that led us back into the game over the enormous run that we had. We once had, what, a 25 or so point lead and only won by eight. They made a huge push at the end, cut it to, I think, five. And then we somehow escaped Marcus. Incredible game, 25. Cash at 19. Uh, Noah, that run will go down for a long time that we can remember especially against a team like that that takes pride maybe in defense and rebounding, how crazy they allowed us to score. That was our peak offensively this season. It was the craziest game of the year. Yeah, well, it's uh, going to be hard to find another game like that again. I mean, um, crazy turn of events. I mean, um, it felt like once we got down 11 nothing that it was going to be a long night, but uh, – it sure turned around pretty fast and crazy game. And that was our only win against the top half team. So we were one and nine on the season. Uh, but then we go and back-to-back crazy games at Indiana State, the biggest back-and-forth game of the season. Kudos to Indiana State. We knew they were a really good home team, and it was a slugfest. And we made huge runs at the end, had big shots. Marcus and Lance had 21 and 24, respectively. This was the Kalick Stevens game. He had an incredible first half. Didn't do anything in the second. Cam Henry got going in the second a little bit. Cooper Nice had 19, made some or missed some huge free throws at the end. Him, uh, Marcus, and Lance both all got to 1,000 points in this one, Noah. But we know the shot of the game went to Troy. Having the uh, kahunas to even shoot that shot, he said he wasn't even expecting the ball. That was a shot that was in our video before Arch Madness and one of the biggest shots of the year and moments of the season, Noah. This was a, this was a fun game, too. Yeah, that was a big time minutes uh, from off the bench for Troy. I mean, right there adding seven points uh, really helped us um, get over the hump there. But yeah, it was it was great to see um, Lance and Marcus hit that one K. Um, cool to see that. Then another good game for Cash when he gave us sixteen. For sure, an all around effort in a in a fun game, as I said. And then no, we finished. Our second-to-last game, senior night, we hosted Illinois State under new coach uh, Brian Jones. We know the whole thing with Moeller, he got fired. They hired a new coach we'll talk about again here, how active they are in the new process with him. One by 21, uh, Antonio played better in this one, but we just – they couldn't stop us on offense. Cash at 22 ha- had that great putback dunk. Uh, so that was a fun game and one we knew we had to win, and we won big, scored 90 points. And then, Noah, the, the last game of the regular season, the team where we saw back-to-back games, obviously. Uh, Drake at their place in another close game. We played really well offensively to start. We know we had the droughts, offensive droughts after that. We couldn't stop them at times. 
and they pulled away and it came down again, Noah, to tying the game. Uh, you know, it was a one point in the first game, two points here had about what, 12 seconds or nine seconds. And Lance went all the way down court, could have sped up a little bit, got it to Marcus. And by the time he got it, cause he had to get open, get to his spot. By the time he touched it, he just had to throw it up. And another terrible instance of the players, you know, knowing how much time was left and the sense of urgency that they didn't show in the two games against the Bulldogs. And we arguably could have swept them. Imagine what that could have done with us too. This one was a tough game as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, that's when I said should have went thought should have went with Lance, who was the hot hand, get him going downhill. Um, either could have tied it, got fouled, go to the line, make some free throws or kick out. Um, I would have went for the win on the road there because it didn't mean anything for us. But uh, yeah, just another bummer how you want to end a game being down double digits at halftime again, then coming back and blowing it. Yeah, wasting a lot of energy to get back in the game and not being able to finish. Troy had her only bench points in that game. So that's how the regular season ended. Yeah, we were cemented as the sixth seed. Going into the Valley Tournament um, and obviously playing the same team again, we were riding pretty high because we know DJ Wilkins got hurt in that last game and he didn't play, and that didn't really hurt them in terms of getting to the Valley Championship and beating us, which we know the reasons in that game. You know, we had that, what, five or seven-point lead after that craziness, Lance three, and then we kind of – hit a wall like we have all season uh, when we know we already talked about that game and how crazy it was, but that weekend was fun for us and staying the whole time, but a tough game, tough way to end the season, obviously frustrating as heck. So we ended the season nine and nine in conference and 16 and 15 overall. I think that gets Brian because we know the bad season last year, got him around 500 for the season. So that's, how the games went, uh, Noah, talking about the players now, if we were to go through, uh, you know, each player for the most part and like, you know, what they could have done better, what they did wrong, some quick here on every player, some things that come to mind about the season that they had looking at the roster here. Uh, Dalton, we know Dalton had to, had to come up big this year, be, the big, you know, because he had a, such a good freshman year, kind of, and then it was a big bounce. We were expecting he had his moments, like we said, he saved us in the Valpo game, didn't show up in the um, in the tournament game, had a lot of turnovers, screwed us over, kind of. We know how pivotal he had to be, especially if we wanted him next to Lance and have Lance off the ball to make him thrive more, right? I mean, Dalton had an up and down season, but I think, and we'll get to it again, maybe that he maybe is best served off the bench in that role, barring you know you know, additions we make this season, he might start again. He might get better as time goes on, Noah, but kind of an up and down season for Dalton. He had a bad start to the year. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of games this year. He, he he played really well, but yeah, he had rough start to the season and he knows that. Um but yeah he can be he can be that starting point guard on this team. Um he's going to his third year next year. Um as a junior as a real junior, I mean, you gotta he's gotta take some strides this offseason. Obviously his his three point numbers took a big dip this year. Um only shot twenty percent where he shot thirty eight percent his freshman year. I mean, um he's gotta be better. Obviously we we've talked we talked about it already, but uh um he looked a little scared of the moment in that tournament game in Arch Madness. Uh I'm sure he wasn't, and we thought it, but uh, he he uh, had some key turnovers in that first half um, to let them back in it where we could have maybe 
poured it on a little bit more and extended that seven point lead. But yeah, this is a key off season, obviously for the whole program, but um, another, another good strides off season for Dalton uh, to get stronger, to work on his shot. Obviously he'll get in that gym. Yeah, exactly. I think he needs to, he needs to work on his shot for sure. hundred percent. And one thing that stuck out, he did get bigger this year and he was able to overpower smaller guards in the paint. He was honestly probably our most consistent post player at times when he would do that because he would score a lot. And he was still his finesse self around the rim. But like I said, he had the inconsistencies he showed along with obviously everybody else. Uh, but yeah, those three turnovers he had early in the tournament kind of did us in for the most part and the rest of the way. So hoping Dalton can improve, obviously, on the many things we just said. You now we're going down here, Trent Brown. We know he dealt with a back injury that kind of hurt his season. We know. Last year, Butler game, we know the whole rigmarole with, you know, his career and what it been. We respected him, hopefully, to make the offensive jump. He was still kind of the same player, did nothing else but shoot threes, and he hit some big threes this year when he was able and healthy and certainly. But we know he was a leader, No, We know he's a leader. That was a leader we talked about in the beginning of the season that we didn't have, and when he wasn't playing, he was being loud. And those huddles and, you know, in the middle of games that we wish we had, he was a big part of that. That's really what he brings, and – we don't know what his future holds. You know, we're, we were saying, and we'll get to again that, you know, uh, whatever realignment, roster realignment, if he'd be one of the ones. But we know he was part of the core guys. Like I said, maybe if he didn't deal with the back injury, plays in Little Rock, that game's different, and who knows. But a tough season for Trent. Yeah, obviously with that back back injury, we never – he never got to get in a flow and get really – get healthy and get going. And, uh, yeah, obviously – um, he was a he's a key cog to what we see see in this team. Obviously, you you talk about it could be a little bit of a roster. Maybe he could be end up maybe be one of the odd men out and leaving, but we don't know. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more of that later. But yeah, his obviously with the injury. I mean, his shooting took a dip as well. I mean, he shot thirty nine percent last year from three, and it ended up shooting thirty two this year. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, we know what, if a healthy Trent Brown, we know the defense he brings and, uh, the sharp shooting he can bring, obviously, um, we saw, obviously you said we saw what he did at Butler last year. So, um, yeah, it's interesting off season for, for Trent here, um, depending what happens, um, he's just got to get, as long as he has a healthy off season, I mean, I see there's some guys on this team that can take a big jump. And I think he's one of them. He can get back to that guy that plays 33 minutes a game and obviously give us that 39% three point shooter and play really good defense. I mean, he averaged seven points last year and I know that if a healthy Trent Brown, he can do that. For sure. That's what I was going to say. Seven points is good. And we know he had to carry a lot of the load as did everybody else that season. So yeah, if he stays healthy, you're right. And we know his defense is always going to be there. It's just maybe just, again, expanding his offensive game, being uh, – which is crazy, all these guys in their in their fourth official true year. We know the COVID year and all that stuff. So, yeah, hopefully he can bounce back if he's on the roster. Uh, I kind of wanted to save him, but since he's up next, Noah, let's talk about Cash. I mean, the impact he had this season, we were talking about it recently because obviously we're in on transfers again this year. That's – Whenever we found out we were going to have him, how excited we were, kind of. We know the ties with Javon, you know, being from Chicago and everything, Noah. And, again, Cash was everything we could have asked for him this year. 
he was 0.2 points, so 0.2, 11.2 points, and 11 this year of being a career high in points in a season. Uh, shot 76 on the free throw line, and he shot 45% from the field. What do you shoot from three? 41%, which is a career high. I mean, he had a great shooting year. There are some things about Cash that we, you know, we talked about the weight that, and it showed when he would try to penetrate. We talked about it a lot. And he gets stripped. He wouldn't be strong enough in times which hurt, you know, he kind of just became a shooter at times. We know he showed he missed an easy dunk in the tournament game, which he should have made. I mean, obviously he wasn't perfect, but we know the Tulsa game, he was great. And so many moments, he was a perfect ad this year. Uh, but, no, one thing we also know about Cash is maybe – we talked with other SIU fans about this, maybe his motor. We know he's really even-keeled and doesn't really show a whole lot of emotion. We know he's a leader. He lets his game do the talking, I think. He's a really well-spoken guy. Maybe that's something we questioned this year with his motor. And what else do you think stuck out in Cash's sole season here when he was really good for us? Yeah, he was obviously, I mean, when we landed him, we, we thought he was exactly the guy we needed. Um, we didn't expect to get as great a shooter as he 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 was. I mean, I mean, we didn't expect to get 41% out of him. We know he, he could shoot the ball pretty well, but um, – I expected more out of him defensively. I thought he'd be a lot better defensively because yeah. um, that's that's what we talked about when we got him. Um, but yeah, without him, I don't. This team would have been a lot worse. I mean, he was the perfect guy for this team. A guy that came in here, locked in, bought into what this team was. I mean, sometimes you get a guy like his skill set. You don't know exactly um, how he's going to buy into the. Um, the role and role he's going to play. I mean, being that third fiddle, but yeah, I mean, if we could, if we could get another cash this off season, obviously um, it'd be huge. I mean, it sucks. He ended up seven, seven points shy of 1000, yeah. but um, ended up the three spots he landed on pretty good career. 100%. And the season that he had at the end of the year, he had, he finished the season, he had eight in the tournament, but 19, 16, 22, and 40, and 14. So he had a good end to get near that 1,000 points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think that's the biggest thing, too. We expected him to be a lockdown defender and that kind of guy that can lock down like a wing player. And he showed signs at times. And, he, you know, he's got freaky athleticism. He didn't really show it all the time. We talked about the missed dunks he had and obviously yeah, getting to the rim and all this stuff and using it. 185 pounds, we talked – yeah, he gained however many pounds of muscle, they said, and didn't really look like it. But a great season for Cash. We wish him, we wish him the best of luck in his future, and then we're, we're glad that he chose us, like we said, the Maman connection. But to spend his last college season with us means a lot that he bought in. And because you're right, the, how he bought in at the start of the year, he was shooting a lot, and he kind of bought into the offense. And as he got more comfortable, he made all those shots he took. So – like I said, we we wish Cash the best. Looking forward to maybe adding somebody like him, uh, potentially or or not. Just saying that you know the impact he made may pay dividends because you're right. We would have been awful without him. So best of luck to Cash. Uh, now Noah Troy, we know he could have done it. Maybe a, he was the only freshman that we kind of foresee or foresaw playing this season because of his build and stuff. Remember what he was coming out of high school. He's kind of a playmaker. He bulked up so much. It was almost like he's 6'7", 210. According to this, he might weigh a little bit more than that, that he was just built to play, you know, on this team right away. And he played in 
29 games. I mean, he played a lot. He only averaged barely two points. But, no, we know sometimes he wouldn't do a whole lot, but we know Indiana State game, and he was pivotal at times when he bat out balls, for example, and rebounds, and he made some nice passes. He really did his job, which is all we could have asked for from him. We know we didn't make freshman team if he were, like, played a little bit more than what he did. But, like I said, he did exactly what we needed him to be, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he knew his role coming in as a freshman and uh, his skill t- – he can what he can do, I mean – he was he was he ended up being the only freshman that played and he was the least talk about freshman coming in out of this class and he's he was the, he's the highest recruit in state recruit we've had since Kevin Dillard I mean that just I mean that just shows you what type of player we got in him I think he's a a Garrett Sturts in the making he does a little he does the dirty work he hits the boards I mean if he can if he can turn out to the player Garrett Sturts was I mean that's a good good uh comparison if you want to be at end up being like that for sure and when we could tell you know troy's probably not going to be obviously a superstar kind of player he's going to be a glue guy as garrett Sturz is yes and he does the dirty work and i think he is going to be really good for us moving forward with his size as my ball is live posting about him he committed it's like this this dude does have a bright future and he got really good experience this season so looking forward to what Troy can bring in his second year next year. Uh, okay, Noah, Anthony. We know Anthony was going to come back. We were excited. He had a great finish to the season, but he dealt with so much this year. And we know the foot, COVID, and we know, like we said, the Little Rock game, first game of the year, he played really well. And we remember the Drake home game and other games he played really well in. And then as time went on, he didn't see the floor due to those reasons, injury reasons and all that and all that such that we could have used him at times. You know, Kyler struggled a lot this year. We'll get to him and JD also uh, that we needed, you know, because we thought Anthony could have obviously was going to play a lot. Yeah. And it looked like he just lost a step. And in general, he just wasn't the same. It was kind of odd that he returned. If this was going to happen, you can't foresee an injury or getting COVID maybe as bad as he did, for example. But no, a disappointing year for Anthony because we knew he could have came up big for us this year. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, what he did last year for us was huge. I mean, he carried us from some of those games last year. He's big time. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't obviously COVID we've seen it hampered Austin five forever. Obviously he could add some some of that a long lasting COVID case. Um obviously the injury we, we talked about a lot, but yeah, I just I, I felt bad for him. I mean, I felt like I mean, obviously, he, he could have played if maybe not the injury or something else and COVID, blah, blah, blah. But this feels bad. That's how he had to end his career, um, just riding the pine like he did. Yeah, only played in five less games than last year, but his stats obviously are much different. He averaged eight and four last year. He only shot 43 times this year. We, obviously, if he's playing in 21 games, he's getting in. He's just barely playing. Like I said, he had spurts this year, so – it is sad because he could have paid up big with the other injuries we had. We'll get to. Uh, he could have. He could have came up big for us, and it's unfortunate. But we wish him the best. We know he got a master's degree, so we know he's going to take that with him the rest of his life. So, Anthony, thanks for being here, and good luck to you. We'll definitely skip the next one according to this one. But no, let's go to Kyler. Uh, great freshman year he had. All freshman team had big expectations. We talked about, and Brian said to start the year. Uh, that he, him and Lance were the only ones that made every workout. You know, he did everything he was supposed to. We thought he was going to 
expand his game, obviously. And honestly, when we, you know, went to the exhibition game, his first offensive play, you knew he was going to be the same exact post player over the shoulder. If it goes in, it doesn't. It's kind of easy to read. And he's as strong as an ox, as we know. But, no, he seemed – it's unfortunate because he seemed to be the same player, and that really didn't do him any good this year because a lot of teams had him scouted, took him out of games. Uh, he started the year and then didn't. Spotty minutes for him. Like, yeah, and when we went kind of small ball, that helped the team. A down year for Kyler, Noah. Yeah, we were really excited, um, especially off that freshman season. I mean, we thought he would be – a key force inside and it's just his type of game and and this offense is kind of dwindling and he could like we mentioned with Trent this could be another guy that ends up maybe the odd man out especially um depending on how Scotty Abube takes that step um incoming Cade Hornecker um it's really interesting to see what this is an offseason obviously last year he didn't miss a single practice. He was always he's his availability is there. And it's just a shame that, um, I guess just not be able to put a, a second. Obviously, you could say sophomore slump, but uh, didn't have a lot of opportunities because of matchups um, within this league now. That offensively, we know we can get eight to ten points out of them, but defensively, it's just hard to watch. Yeah. The matchups was the biggest thing for him. He couldn't – we couldn't keep him in games in certain points. Even when he was playing well, it's like as the game goes on, you can't play him. And just seeing the drastic difference between his first year and this year, he made 15 more shots and shot about 35 more times. He just didn't get the looks this year for those reasons. And so he's at 312 in his career. But looking at his free throws even, though he shot 50% on the year. wasn't great. And that just reminds me that, you know, around before he had it, before the tournaments, before your first Paradise Jam game, uh, he was talking to Mike and said that. And I think that's a big thing with the guys that were here last year in their first year. They didn't play in front of crowds, really. And Tyler kind of alluded to that, that it kind of bothered him, especially from the free throw line and in general, getting back in the groove of playing in front of crowds. And unfortunately, at this level, you really can't let that bother you. But he kind of admitted that it did. So at the start of the year, that kind of got too many. Obviously, you would think he would get comfortable in front of crowds as time goes on, but it was up and down for Kyler. You're right. Kind of could be the odd man out because a lot of other of our bigs that were might play next year could expand their game, you know, outside, not just be post. Like I said, strong as an ox, but he needs to improve his game overall more and not, you know, be as inconsistent. And granted, that came with the minutes, but it came with his play as well. It's unfortunate. Could have had a really good career, and he and he still could, obviously. It's all a big wait and see. So there's Kyler's season. Now Noah Ben Harvey, we know he played the start of the year, the very start of the year, and then he didn't, and we know why. And then he came back and played, like, in the San Fran and, Ga- and Grambling game. And, like, he was playing the SEMO game, had three points. He had six against uh, uh, Maryville, I think, or whatever game that is. But he – no, he should never have came back. We know with the whole spleen thing, we heard about the spleen thing at the open house. Robbie Dozier, who's now not with the team, told us about that. Uh, and we were kind of surprised. So we're like, okay, he might be ready. And he semi was, and then he, and then he missed it. We know we had an interview and stuff and he talked about it and then he didn't show up again. And then he didn't play the rest of the year. He's, he you know, was in street clothes and was at every game. 
and we know he avoided the surgery and we've been hearing around that he's still dealing with, you know, certain things about it this season. We're questioning his future, but Noah, the impact that Ben Harvey could have made, it's so unfortunate because we know he could have been a 10 point per game score, kind of a wasted year for Ben. And it's unfortunate because it came for, you know, internal injury reasons. Yeah, it's very disappointing. I mean, we know he could have brought, um, we've seen what he did last year in Arch Madness. He wasn't afraid of the moment. Um, when Lance went down in that first game, he took over in that second half. Um, there's another shooter that we know wasn't afraid to take the shots. We know we had a couple of guys that um, passed up some shots, and we knew he could have – a healthy Ben Harvey, I mean, he, he plays a key role in this team coming off that bench, give us 10 points a game. Um, that would have been clutch this year because a lot of games we needed that were not enough from our bench. And besides our two stars, we didn't know what we were getting from anybody, but we knew he would come in every game and score. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sounds like now he avoided surgery, but uh, at this point you, you would think that it's the question is the in the air is that, um, does he just need to step away from the game? I mean, sounds like if it's still bothering him and you just go get the surgery, if it fixes it, you won't have any more problems and maybe you can continue your career. But other than that, if you're just going to avoid surgery, um, I mean, it sucks to say it this way, but, um, you can't be wasting a scholarship here. We need to replace you. Bingo. We've been talking about that, you know, constantly recently about his opening for that spot if he does because yeah if he's still going through it you're right he should have got the surgery right away and just ended it and not came back because he said that he could play through and we were confident in him coming back he ended the season so well last year the expectations were there it is unfortunate his his career could be a risk I would think something like this could especially if you just let it drag on like he has unless you know and didn't take care of it right away that Something like this could happen. So it's all a big wait and see with him. I think, you know, over time in the next month or two, we should be knowing answers, you know, talking people that know Ben that said he's still, like I said, dealing with some stuff. So, and, and they're questioning, you know, his career as well. So now we're not, we're just speculating. We don't really know hundred percent. We don't want to say that his career could be over and it not, but just, you're right. The scholarship reasoning is there. So we need to know at some point and we just hope he's healthy and does the best decision for him which is all that matters in the end. So uh, looking forward to what possibly could happen with him. So Noah J.D. Uh, out last year, had the meniscus, came back and was athletic, was, you know, we knew he was going to bring defense. You know, something that Kyler didn't have, you know, they can match each other in that realm. And he did end up starting as the season went on and played and started the rest of the year. He was kind of the leader that we had. He, we know the energy he brought us offensively and all different kinds of things. And, uh, could have brought a little bit more defensively. We know he was touchy in terms of guard guys, but you said it earlier. He can guard kind of – he could switch and guard two through five at least, maybe one through five because he can move his feet so well. And Brian preached at the start of the year. No, I think our expectations offensively for J.D. shouldn't have been higher than what it ended up being. Uh, but he was – like I said, his dunks brought energy and he was finesse around the rim. He's exactly what you need from just a starting center to get the job done against other centers when you have other guys around him that can carry the load, right? J.D. had a quality first year, probably could have been a little more, and it's interesting to see if he's an odd man out as well and what his future could be. Yeah, coming off a big big injury, um, he looked, he stayed healthy. Um, that's, that's a good thing coming off a big in, injury like that. But, yeah, obviously – 
he was good defensively, but the numbers don't show that. If you just if you're just a number watcher, I mean the numbers don't show. He only had 14 blocks and nine steals on the year. I mean, but he was a lot better. That rebounding can, can be a lot better. Obviously, obviously we know the the free throw shirting is a long work in progress. Um, I don't know if he'll ever fix his free throws, but uh, yeah, the minutes, the energy he brought. I mean, if that if we if we needed that 14 minutes off the bench, we've seen that at times. Um, he can come off that bench, give you energy, or he can start and give you that give you the first seven minutes and the first seven minutes of the second half. I mean, um, high energy guy. Yeah, it's interesting um, to see where he will finish his career here or if it ends up maybe taken elsewhere. But I think uh, him taking another big step, I mean, working on his uh, maybe a little bit more offensive moves and stuff and uh, coming out and starting for us next year. Right. We, we would like to keep him around further. He'll be the one of the oldest on the team, and he is, he is that kind of presence that, you know, teams need. And it is interesting to see where he fits along the way. Yeah, you mentioned the free throws. Bad free throw shooter, 30%, and his release was not the utmost pretty. But, like, yeah, he played good at times this season. Looking forward to see what he is if he remains. Now, Noah, before we get to the top two guys, and we'll even touch on the guys who sat this year quickly, but uh, Steven. He averaged seven this year. We talked about he almost had the exact same season as he did his first year. He had more points, had everything almost exactly. He didn't shoot enough free throws, which is a big reason why it was he was a disappointment. He made more shots, took more more shots. But we know in his first year, he was kind of just that kind of role player last year. Even though Marcus wasn't playing, he had to step up more, and he, and he did fine. Noah, we were just expecting the jump from Steven. Way too many games this year. He either didn't score. I mean, if I were to count here, he had at least five games where he didn't score and played a lot. We were counting on him for his defense. He was the, He's the best shooter on the team, didn't shoot a whole lot. We know the whole rigmarole we talked about with Steve. It's unfortunate. We talked to him at the open house. Great guy. Could have had him on the pod at times and very well still could because he's that friendly and we were fans of him. I love his game, Noah, but like I said, a disappointing season because it was inconsistent and he should have done more than he did. He had shots that he could have made or made, you know, made and shot every single time he went down the court. It seemed to be just confidence with Steven mainly. Yeah. We, we've seen a lot of games where uh, a lot of the times it's uh, it's this way right now with uh, Caleb Love in North Carolina. If he sees that first shot go in, it changes a lot of things for a lot of shooters, but yeah, Steven is, he had the biggest roller coaster of the, of, of the year for all our, throughout the whole team. But yeah, he shot a bit. I mean, he was shooting 49% coming into Valley play from three. I mean, it dropped 9%. He was missing shots. We expect Steven to make, and he expects to make, but um, yeah, just a disappointing second season. We expected more out of him. Um, like we said, we looked at the numbers. They're, almost identical uh, percentage-wise. He, he he did better, but scoring-wise, it was about the same. Um, but coming in here next year, um, we know what he brings defensively, obviously. He can guard uh, the one through four position. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously, um, besides uh, maybe, obviously, how many times did we say with his little moves, he can do it whenever he wants, obviously. But, yeah, Steven could be a key fixture. I'm not sure 
Um, starting is where he needs to be. I think he could be a really good bench player for us um, next year. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a key role player. I'd say that's he's talented enough to start and be a third or fourth fiddle. He just is inconsistency. And I think as time goes on, obviously, with an extra year next year, he could, just barring everything else. But he had a great start to the year, 11, 14, and 18 scoring. And in that Colorado 18, which is the most points he reached all year, he had 17 and a couple of times, but a lot of under five points, under 10 points, and like I said, zero points. So if you look at the stats, yeah, quality year, we just needed more from. That's bottom line. So especially from our best shooters. So, no, before we get to the top two guys, Foster and Scotty, we know they sat this year. Uh, and we heard coaches talking about them. We've talked about these guys, you know, constantly again about what they could bring. And we know the certain skill sets that they have. It fits sitting a year. It's just putting them now into the current team along with bringing a guy in. It's almost like, how are they going to make him fit? But we said, you know, they wouldn't redshirt them or recruit them in general if they knew they couldn't play factors. And it all comes down to earning, you know, you know, and I, they've been really good in practice as far as we know. If they can just be better as time goes on, and we think and know they can, then, no, we're expecting big things from Foster and Scott in this upcoming year, hopefully. Most definitely. I mean, in my opinion and a lot of other Saluki fans' opinions, Scotty Abube at 6'10", 265. I mean, we got a steal on this kid. He's a four-year starter here. I think if he takes the right jumps, uh, being worked with Coach Maman and – um, I think he could be a four-year starter here. He has a really good skill set. I mean, he could be an absolute monster on the boards. He could be a, easily a double-double guy for us. I mean, coming in here, um, he's – I mean, he was – he needed touched up. He needed polished. But he's still a lot better offensively than J.D. I mean, he could come in here than Foster. Is he scared? Is Will he be scared to take the – the shot. I mean, that's what he's known for. Um, he has a clip, they say. I mean, he can shoot it with – obviously, he's our best shooter other than Steven. Uh, Steven was our best shooter that played this year, but Foster will no doubt only be our best shooter next year. I mean, um, going to expect big things out of him and Scotty. And uh, you'll be interested to see the off-season jumps they make. I mean – they got it. They got to play next year. They're not just going to waste away two years here. For, no, sure, for sure not. And you're right. Scotty is over time. He's definitely better offensively than JD, and that shows a lot. Just in terms of, I think JD can finish better around the rim, but Scotty is more dominant. He'll dunk on people more, and he can expand his game. We've seen him shoot a little bit in mid range. We saw it in the exhibition game, and he had that and one and block, and he was just. Talk about effort and energy. That's what he brought in that game. I think over time, definitely, he does weigh 265. We've seen him warm-ups making between the legs dunks. He's an athletic freak for that size. You're right. We did get a steal, potentially. And I think they will usher him in this season. It's just the fact that you, if you still have JD, they're kind of just the same player in that realm. You know, like I said, they do stuff differently. But it's it's fitting them both along with other bigs we have. So it will be interesting. But, yeah, he, he, he's too talented to not play in the end. Foster, with him being 6'5", we said with Trent, He's just a set shooter. He's got to expand his game. He's six foot. I think Foster is going to be an elite shooter. Hopefully he can expand his game more. He is over 200 pounds. And, yeah, get that comfortable, hopefully, and, you know, penetrate and do everything else, you know, you need from a basketball player and hopefully improve on defense as well to be an elite player. I'm thinking he will. So it's ushering those guys in. We'll talk about them as time goes on for sure. Now I know the top two guys. 
uh, I mean, it's they're the they're the guys that reached a thousand points this year. Yes, they're the guys that have been the utmost top core in this new era, convincing Lance to stay, prying Marcus from Northern Kentucky. We know the whole rigmarole of their careers, and you could say, and I mean, Lance, like we said, his freshman year wasn't supposed to play. Did was great last year. He had to show out, and he did. Uh, made the third team last year, and he got snubbed this year because he was really good, averaged 15-4-2. and two. We know what Lance is, Noah. We know that he's either going to win you games, lose you games. He had a lot of turnovers this year, did not shoot well, was a bad free throw shooter. His percentages kind of went down, but we know the jump he made defensively. Like I say, kind of every year he's getting better at, at different things. Last year he was a great shooter. This year he's a great defender. If he can mold it in these last two years, if he takes that fifth year to – you know, be an all-around all great player that we know he can be. Now, what more can we say about Lance? Like I said, he is what he is, and we love him for it, you know, and we trust him with the ball in his hands because we we just have to. He's been a saving grace, arguably, at times in his career so far, over a 1,000 points. You know, a great career he's had so far. What, what What's your opinion on Lance's season so far? Kind of up and down, but he was he, he was big when we needed him to because he's a star player. Yeah, obviously his uh, um, his assist numbers were down this year. Obviously, we moved him to that two spot um, for most of the year, um, and that that's where I think he belongs. Um, that's why this offseason big is to find um, find a point guard or Dalton Banks becomes that answer at that one spot for us. But if it's not for Lucas Williamson, um, an all time elite defender, I mean. Lance is the defensive player of the year in the Valley. Um, he took big strides offensively. He takes the challenge of guarding the best guard on another team. Um, his rebounding numbers were up. I mean, he does it all for us, him and Marcus. Um, I'm glad um, he's not taking part in a lot of the other um, elite players for mid-major programs and just um, leaving them and going to a bigger school because we know he could. Uh, him and Marcus, but uh, he knows he's going to stay here. He's bought in. Um, his father is always saying how great the staff and is, and I don't think he's headed anywhere. Um, but, yeah, numbers, shooting numbers were down. Expect those to go up with that um, little turf toe issue he had this year. Have a Obviously, he was available all offseason last year. Have another healthy offseason. And uh, – I'm going to get the same Lance Jones, hopefully more motivated um, to have a better year and uh, do more special things here. For sure. And I think him and Marcus, you, we mentioned, you mentioned leaving there. It's like they're over, they're already over a thousand points. It's like when you get to the point where you use that fifth year, like we know guys on the country do, and you go just to play that extra or play somewhere else with that final year and you do all you can at this school, these guys, over a thousand points, they already have left their legacy. And I think they will obviously want to keep leaving the legacy. We saw a post from Marcus we'll get to with a stat that, you know, he's pumped and they're kind of trending upwards, he would think. So these guys are for sure bought in. And I think, I mean, they're going to go down in history. So look at history. I mean, they're so close on the scoring list with so many other people. They're going to bounce. And we talked about Marcus could already be at 15 to 1,800, <laughs> like 1,500 points right now if he didn't get hurt. So these guys only – are going to get better as time goes on for sure. They just need a little bit of help, and we're hoping we can get that for them. And speaking of the guy that needed help down at the end of the year, no, Marcus Damask. I mean, he's every bit of our guy. He's every bit of our top player. He's every bit of everything. We know 
He struggled at times against higher competition, and that was the issue. And that's what we can't afford happen. But when he's on Noah, he's he's one of the best players in the valley, one hundred percent. I mean, the way he can, the way he can shoot, and I was going to say shoot because it was going to lead me to the fact that he was a strict post player this year. Almost, we know the offense ran through him. He led us in every statistical, all the three main stats, uh, and I'm sure he, I think he led us in blocks as well, like per game wise, but. Noah, he was everything we could have asked for. I mean, like I said, spotty at times, even though this was the season off of injury for him, he played really well. He was a second team all Valley. Uh, like we said, he made big shots, could have done a little more in games, but running everything through him, Noah, because we know he was a great passer, great all around player. I mean, obviously we were the team we were this year with him and we knew the team we were with without him last year, how important he is. And he's just, He's halfway or a little over halfway from leaving his full legacy as an all-time great here. Yeah, obviously, he'd he done it all for us. Like you said, he led us in all those categories. Um, his three-point numbers were down. Um, his minutes were up. He played 36 minutes a game. I think with a healthy team this year and what the depth we could have next year, hopefully those numbers get back down to – 32, 33 minutes a game, get him some more rest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at some point we're going to see a triple-double from this guy. He was close at times this year. I mean, if he's rolling, I mean, this team's really hard to beat if him and Lance get going. But, yeah, I mean, he went strictly post. I mean, there was games where um, I talked about that his freshman year, he was really good in the mid-range and he could step out, but this year he was like strictly posed, but there was games we saw that mid-range, and if he could get back to that, I mean, hopefully um, we can bring in um, maybe maybe something where he can maybe play the, like obviously we talked, but talk about it, like maybe he can play more of that three role and maybe find uh, especially with a guy like Cade coming in, or if we can get a bigger wing that could maybe play more of that four-stop, he could play that three where he really belongs. Obviously, we know what he is defensively, and we we take that, but he actually played some pretty good defensive games this year. But, yeah, obviously, um, he's still got two more years to – I guarantee he gets to – I'm going to say he gets to 2,000 easily with two more years here if he stays here. If he stays here and stays healthy, 100%. I remember talking to other people that he could hurt well. He's not going to break the scoring record, but, I mean, just thinking how close he could very well get, 100%. And I think they had to evolve this season offensively and running stuff soon because, like I said, yeah, we didn't really have it. I don't know what really could have changed because you put a whole lot of load on him coming off injury, and I don't think they really cared about that. It obviously didn't hinder him really. It's just odd that our offense can totally just flip a script and be this kind of thing. We ran sets. It was the same set every time, and it ran through him, and it worked out, and it didn't work out. It's just weird. I don't know if they're going to keep doing that. It depends who they bring in and what else they just have to – they obviously have to change something to get over this hump that we know of. But um, he's the best player everything. He still has to run through him, and you're right. His freshman year, great shooter. This year he was what he was. If you can mix in all of it, play the three or play the four, it's interesting to see how he's going to play out. But – he is just going to get better. Right? We just can't wait for him. Those two guys are are this program, uh, every bit of it. So to, to move on here, Noah, because we know we're taking a while, uh, quickly, something that surprised us we found at the end of the year, Noah, was 
It was teams with one of the top lineups, best five-man lineups in the country via adjusted for strength of opposition, 250 or more possessions. No, seeing the other teams that are on here and knowing the, the offense that we know we had this year, we didn't score a whole lot of points. Seeing us on here with the Duke, Dukes, UNC's Villanova, three Final Four teams, Illinois, Kentucky, Arizona, and with the lineup of Cash, Marcus, Lance, J.D., and Steven was pretty efficient. We're not surprised because at times those were our four, you know, outside of J.D. for being just the five, four best players, important players. It's not that surprising, but seeing us on a list with all these people surprises, like I said, with the offense we thought we had this year was a little lackluster. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, um, analytics are a big part of basketball now. Um, I know Brian follows this guy, so I'm sure he probably uses the website and looks at looks at the different stats. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy to, to see just surrounded by the teams they are in that. I mean, it's crazy. Obviously, we've seen that lineup. Um it was our best lineup at times, but it was our worst lineup at times, it felt like. But, yeah, it's weird. It shows us how good we were offensively with that lineup, but a down year. But defensively, that's one of the best lineups there is. Uh, it's crazy to see. Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of slept on that lineup a little bit. Slept on this team and because we knew we were close. We didn't get over the hump. It's surprising, though, seeing that lineup on that list for sure. So now I know something that came out today, we were finished 121st in Ken Palm ranking, which was our highest since 08. It kind of surprised us because we know, you know, the 20 win season we had with Barry a little bit, it was, you know, led by Anthony Bean Jr. Not surprised, or it's kind of surprised seeing, I mean, because that's really pretty high. I mean, that's kind of near the middle of the whole NCAA Division One. Uh, we want to be close around 100 or less, obviously, next year. Surprising, no, that's 14 years and we haven't been any higher than that. And we saw Marcus on Instagram do the trending up emojis. So I think obviously they'll get better than that maybe, but like I said, pretty high. I don't know if we should be proud of it, but the highest in that long is kind of shocking. Yeah. I mean, obviously it shows where this program is headed and trending upward, like Marcus said, but yeah, I mean, finishing where we did, I mean, our goal next year, I mean, should be at least top 90, I'd say. Um, that's a good goal. I mean, it should be, um, depending on your uh, schedule and all the analytics that go into it. I mean, it can, it can be done. I mean, knowing Drake finished at 84, I think, and Northern Iowa was at 91, Bradley at 97. I mean, we're right there with those teams. So, uh, it can be done, and, yeah, it's like Marcus said, it, this program is trending upward, and it's good to see. Yeah, so I think that's a perfect way right there for how the season went by that, all, all the different metrics that can be tied into one and how we ended. I think that's a good way to end the discussion on this season, on this 2021-22 season. Uh, like we said, up and down could have been a lot better, but we like, you know, it was – it was hit or miss in terms of obviously the success and what we wished it could have been. There's really nothing more else to say about that. We've been talking about it all season. Could have done a lot more this year. So Noah, let's move on now to the fun stuff, the stuff heading It's kind of like an early off season kind of thing. A lot to mention here in terms of like the transfer portal is huge and a lot of other stuff. Noah, look ahead, a quick look or a early look ahead 
Let's start off with the news that we know, something that does factor in. Obviously, we were, like you said earlier in the pod, we were expecting this. Saku enters the portal. We know he made a post at the start of the year that he wasn't going to play this season for obvious reasons, and we were kind of think uh, he dealt with injuries and all this stuff, but we know that uh, it, it was uh, questionable with the whole scholarship situation with him, which we were wondering. And he entered the portal not too long ago, and he made a post on Instagram. Thanks to SIU for these four years that will forever be part of my life. The coaching staff and my teammates, I appreciate every single thing, especially helping me get through from my injury and make sure I leave here with a degree. I will forever be grateful. Being healthy and having two years of eligibility left, I will be entering the transfer portal. And he said, go dog. So, no, like I said, we were kind of expecting this. Two years of eligibility. He's been in school for at least four or five years. He said he got this degree, that great, which is great. He had good moments in his career here, and he was good, helpful in practice, I'm sure. But we wish him the best because now it opens up a spot. I mean, the spot was already there, but the fact that he's gone now kind of reassures some stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously we appreciate Saku and what he when he was healthy. I mean, he gave us good minutes off the bench. I mean, the injuries and what he's been through with COVID not being able to go back home, it's just – it's tough for a guy like that. And yeah, taking the year off, obviously we mentioned that could, that could be what Ben Harvey needs a year off to get healthy, obviously, but yeah, not sure where he'll end up, but we obviously we wish him the best. Um, I think it will be a lower, maybe go down to D2 or something um, or a smaller uh, mid-major program he can go play at. I mean, Hopefully he can stay healthy, finish off his career. Um, we wish him the best. It sucks it ended this way, but, yeah. Um, it, we talked uh, Arch Madness with SIU fans about if he was on scholarship or he wasn't. I mean, we, we us honoring him, it's hard to believe that he wasn't. I don't think um, he would have stayed here if he, he didn't get that opportunity. So, uh, right. Yeah, it sucks the way it ended, but um, he's going to go move on and finish his career elsewhere. Yeah, I'd say it's best that we that you know both sides move on and he moves on. Like we said, he's he's been through so much. You're right; he w- will be a lower level. Wouldn't be surprised if when he when he gets healthy and we follow his career that he ends up paying dividends and being a pretty nice player. And it's going to be unfortunate, but it's time to move on for sure. So we do wish him the best of luck. But that was the main dom- the only domino that's really fallen for us, as we know. To know that that just quickly led us to if we were to like name a top three of players that wouldn't be surprised left or players we wouldn't really I'm not going to say wouldn't care that left but like ones that we would say okay yeah that's probably best for both parties that it would happen Noah uh, first couple that come to your mind are who and we'll just bounce a couple we'll we'll, we'll leave it at like top three because I mean three leaving wouldn't happen, but like top three examples. And if it's like one or two more, which we doubt it'll happen, but just once, for example. Yeah. Most, most definitely the first that come to my mind. I mean, I mean, at this point of our program where it's headed, I mean, it's nothing against these kids. We love that they came here and we love that they're bought in, but that may, that may right now that could be haltering our progress as a program because Obviously, we want to get kids that want to come to SIU and be part of the program, but now we're to the point where we're going to start recruiting over these kids, and it may be time to sit down and say, hey, man, you're becoming really not part of this team. There's no role for you here right now. It could be 
agreement to move on. I mean, obviously Trent Brown with his back injury, what he became. Obviously Kyler, we talked about him when we discussed him. The bigs on this, he becoming not really just a guy that's going to be a fourth, a third or fourth fiddle. It's just only the bigs, not on the team, but on the bigs, bigs wise. And Trent, um, with Foster's size, if he can stay, take that step defensively, he's obviously Steven's going to play. Um, if Ben Harvey's healthy, I expect him to play over Trent. So those are the two main guys. I mean, even JD comes to mind would be, you said top three, JD comes to mind. Um, maybe him going elsewhere to finish his career because we have Scotty and Kyler. Um, you hate to give up on Kyler because he's younger. Uh, maybe JD becomes a grad transfer, goes to finish his career elsewhere. Maybe, I don't know, but those would be my top three. Yeah, it would be a tough call. It is. And it, when it, whenever this happens, coaches do talk. And that's really the discussion is, you know, their role and their role could be bigger somewhere else. And I, I think those conversations has have to have happened. We know we're waiting for Brian to address the media, but we know he's had to address the individual players. But I don't think it had to have been anything. I think he mentions it to some. He's not going to mention it to certain ones, obviously. But I think the conversation has to be there, and I think they would weigh their options. I think before they announce anything like this, it's a big decision. They'd have to talk with their family and talk within the school of leaving the school because they know they're you know, dealing with school itself. And uh, the whole process that we know comes with, unless you know you're really talented and you can just do it right away, it is kind of a process. So I don't know if we'll see it in general. I would agree. Kyla does seem on his way or like odd man out, and we love him. Like I said, strong as an ox, great post player. He can't play defense. He is, he he is just kind of there. And when you when you when he doesn't even play in games, and you take him out of games for matchups. That's a problem. Not saying you can't improve, but it is. You're right. He is young. It's tough to give up on him, JD, because we'd like to keep him, but he's kind of the same as Scotty, as we said. So it's kind of like, you know, we want to give it to a guy that's got four or five years left compared to even though JD would be one of the oldest players. Uh, would like to see him stay, but if wouldn't care to see him go. And then, yeah, Trent for sure with the injury. And then, yeah, he's got to expand his game. He's a part of the core three, obviously, to start this era. So I don't think anything would happen there. Brian loves his game. I'm sure loves his leadership. We'll understand all that. But when it's time to move on, it's time to move on. You kind of know. And he is one that comes to mind. And then we talked about Ben, and that would be physically. Like he would – I think those would be the top four – I want to put Dalton in there, but I know like how valuable it is. He took care of the ball for the most part of this year. He's a quality point guard. He's just a backup point guard. I think Dalton would be the fifth. I think Steven needs to stay due to his obviously his talent. You got to keep him around. So I mean the list is there. I'd say those, and we would agree on those top three or four, one hundred percent. It's like whether it'll happen or not, I'm not sure. But those would be the ones we wouldn't care. Just because it's time to get some fresh blood in here potentially. No. So before we get into some guys we're in on, and you have a whole list. We'll get we'll key on we'll key in on some guys here, but we know Mike Reese was on in the doghouse lately, and we know we've heard before it's kind of like mis, mixed signals or whatever about having two scholarships or what. But Mike was on the doghouse said we only have one, so we know the whole thing was secure. We know Cade's coming in. We know you know Cash and Anthony's didn't count. It's the whole thing of opening up a spot for a transfer if one transfers out or just just doing something to not just add one person because we know we need to add more. Uh, and he said that he expects it to be a wing and stuff. And Mike sounded confident in this, so I believe him, and I think it is going to happen. Uh, but no, with that, and if it is one spot, barring anything else, we have to hit on it. Hopefully it's two. 
But, Noah, let's jump into the players that we would love. Some players we've touched on so far in a while. I have someone here. I know you have the whole thing. So jump into ones we keyed on and even some outside ones that we've had interest in. We've had we've shown a lot of interest so far since the season ended. Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, um, one everybody knows about is Jordan Mitchell, a JUCO, um, has three years of eligibility left. Um, from the same JUCO as Terry Roberts, um, Florida Southwestern State, a 6'3 guard. He took his unofficial visit. He averaged uh, eight points and six assists this past season. Um, obviously, there's heavy interest. We know he was here. Um, that would be a big addition. Um, obviously, uh, for us, we obviously keep tabs of um, who's on top of our wish list and everything, but um, he'd be a good addition if it comes to it. For sure. He's a lefty. He would be a quality guard to add. You're right. And he averaged the same stats as Terry. And going back, seeing the player Terry is now, it's like that could be Jordan because the average is the same. They kind of could be the same player. That's would be a guard. It's, it seems like the most likely to happen due to the unofficial visit. He said, Saluki fans, what do you think? He followed us before we even followed him. I think he's invested. He's here with the staff. That would be the most likely to happen at this point right now. He seems like a talented kid for sure. He's the top. Everybody keep an eye out for that name, for breaking news potentially in the coming however long. That seems like the favorite, Noah, but what about that other top one? Like? Yeah, obviously uh, everybody knows this name. He's got to be on top of our staff list. Um, that's obviously Brian Moore, 6'3 guard from uh, Northeastern Oklahoma A&M Juco. Um, Average 21.3 points a game, 5.2 assists. Um, he's very good defensively. Uh, St. Bonaventure, DePaul, Wichita State, some bigger schools in on him. Um, he's on top of everybody's wish list. Has to be. Um, he'd be a huge get for this program. For sure. And we've been in on him forever. We talked, you know, ad nauseum about the fact that he, he took us off his list and then we rejoined him, following him back, like a lot of his tweets. There is a lot of mutual interest. We talked about him liking tweets about SIU and stuff. There is definitely big mutual interest. Very talented. He's been at the top of ours for a long time. He would slide right next to Lance and be perfect. He can score, handle the ball, play defense. He's a perfect SIU player. He is. He is at the top of the list. Um, you know, him and Jordan, I wouldn't – I mean, if we added both, be great, even though we know we're set, at, you know, kind of at forward and center. We'd like to add a forward with one of these guards. Definitely the top two, Brian Moore is a heck of a talent, hoping that we see maybe a, a decision point at some point here in the coming months, but we know it's early in the offseason. Brian is definitely at the top. Yeah, definitely. Then another, another, I'd say, for the point guard position, um, for the top three of this position, uh, looking at uh, DeMarco Minor, um, South Suburban Division II Juco, just coming off a national championship where he was tournament MVP and scored 29 points in the championship game. He's a 6'1 guard, uh, averaged 21 points a game, six assists, six rebounds. He was number two in the country in steals. I mean, these top three choices at guard are guys that can come in and start right away at that point guard position. Very three are can be elite players um, here for us, but um, – those you can't go wrong with any of those three, but DeMarco Minor, um, coming off the season he had, that'd be a big get as well. Oh, for sure. If he can score like that, assist like that, winning a natty, we've talked about you said it earlier, and it's right. The staff said they, they like to add on winners, and that's exactly what he's doing at this level. 
and if he's playing that well, he's going to get higher interest, but we know the interest for sure is there. There are top three without a doubt. He would slide in if he, I mean, that's, that, that's pure talent scoring right there. He, he would be perfect. He's kind of exactly what Lance is, but they, all of them can handle the ball and shoot and score. And we need to score a whole lot more than we did this past year. So definitely he adds to the top three. Yeah, definitely. Uh, say it now that Brian Moore is the only one we officially have an offer out to out of all these guys right. we talk about, um, which is weird if, I mean, if a guy's taking an official visit and stuff like that, um, they'd like to see maybe a offer uh, reached out to him maybe at that point. Uh, but uh, Jordan Mitchell just throwing some names out there. Um, teams that are in on him, SEMO and Coastal Carolina, um, both have offered him so far. So uh, Brad Korn knows what he's doing down there at SEMO. Um, he's licking his chops with uh, Murray and uh, Belmont leaving OVC because that will be wide open for SEMO here in the future. Um, but looking elsewhere, elsewhere uh, guys that we have, um, everybody knows, I've seen on Twitter, um, starting with Owen White, um, he averaged seventeen. He averaged eighteen a game and six rebounds at Division Two, um, Michigan Tech. Six uh, six forward, he would be a grad, grad transfer. He shot forty percent from three, so at that size, he could come in there and play alongside Marcus, uh, maybe or even even come off the bench and spell Marcus because um, he scores at a late level. Uh, teams like Oakland, Toledo, UNCW, UNCW, Loyola Marymount, UMKC, teams like that are in on him. For sure. And, you know, getting getting looked at at that level, we know we've talked about D2 level and we, we wanted to, you know, you know, kind of not shove it off, but like keep it, you know, at, at the side kind of. But when guys score like this and in general, uh, you, you gotta you gotta look at him, and if you know if you can get a steal like that, we like I said, we didn't score a whole lot this year. We need scoring at the guard position, and in general, it'd be a great ad. Just keep rattling off uh, more, and especially obviously the ones we hone in on. Uh, you don't have to go to me. Maybe if there's one, I might jump in on, but keep rattling off some more. All right, then. Uh, um, Xavier Johnson, a six-one guard, has two years of eligibility remaining from George Mason. Average eight. Eight, five, and four shot 39% from the field. Um, per synergy, he was the 90th percentage, 90th percentage in overall defense. So um, teams like College of Charleston, UIC, who's coming to the Valley, FIU, William and Mary, some smaller programs in on him. Um, we talked about a lot about this one. It's interesting. Isaiah Cottrell, a big man from West Virginia. Um, interesting to see we were going to be in on some big men here as we go through these. Um, that's an interesting one. Um, he has some. He has a lot of bigger schools. Um, a lot of tournament teams in on him. Um, another Indian Hills guy, um, Javon Hadley, has three years to play. Um, a lot of teams interested in him, Bradley, Missouri State, Green Bay, SEMO. Um, another interesting one to watch here. Um, Dylan Penn, who obviously everybody's seen his list. It's it's Purdue, Memphis, Loyola, Ole Miss, Vandy, 
I mean, he'd be a great he'd be a great add, um, but um, he's probably off our radar at this point. Um, Ryan Larson, he's a Wofford guy, um, a six-one guard. Um, he can he can score it a little bit. A guy that was just on a visit to Valpo, Quincy Anderson, a wing I like. I had him. I give you a top ten list the other day. Six-four guard. Um, average 18 a game and six rebounds. Loyola, Drake, and Chattanooga. And like I said, he was on a visit um, to Valpo, Minnesota State uh, University transfer D2. I believe he'll be a grad transfer. Um, that's one I sent you. Um, scrolling through, Javais McKinnis, a Jackson State guard. Average a double-double this season. Um, Ole Miss, Wichita, San Francisco, Kansas State. Um, a lot of high-power teams in on him. Uh, R.J. Johnson from Holy Cross transfer. Um, he was all-rookie Patriot League and second in assist. Averaged uh, nine and four. Um, pretty good Pretty good add. Uh, William & Mary, App State, Marshall. Some teams on him. A.J. McGinnis didn't play a lot at Cincinnati. Um, but Belmont drank Boise State, another one to look through here. Then uh, another interesting, we kind of, we, like I mentioned on the last big man, we're in, we've reached out to some big guys, um, which is weird to see. Um, I don't know if that's the staff almost trying to tell us. Maybe there's a big man out the door. Um, TCU, Drake, Arizona State, Creighton, Cincinnati, Mizzou, Dayton, and on Xavier Foster from Iowa State who – um, made a swick, sweet 16 run. He only averaged four points and two rebounds for him. Um, then a, a, a one you can jump in on. We'd love to have him. We've already seen um, an interconference transfer today, Sheldon Edwards. Um, we'd love to be a guy we'd add in heartbeat. Yeah, we'll get to some other ones that enter the portal. We'll jump in him for sure. And we've seen his game, great freshman. He was arguably the most you know valuable player they had this year. His ability to shoot is insane. Yeah, leaving Valpo, we are in on him. Leaving Loyola, the leaving Ramblers are in on him. A lot of other teams. I mean, man, I mean, he'd be – he's the epitome of a Saluki player, the epitome of a guard that we need to add that can shoot, even though he he wouldn't be – he we would add him just because he's talented. He can do it all, even though he, he can't handle the ball. It would be more Lance or, you know, having the ball, honestly. We know he's good off the bench. He was the sixth man of the year. Uh, I'm not saying he should come off the bench for us. You just never know how that could happen, but he's definitely near the top as well. If the interest is there, they love his game. I just don't know if he's leaving Valpo, he's maybe looking a little bigger because he is talented, but if he could, if we could swoop in and land him, it's, it'd be incredible. Then a couple more here that we officially reached out to, um, Winona state, which is the same school, um, KV Taylor came from for Valpo. Um, another elite scorer from Winona state. Uh, Alec Rosner averaged 19, four and three. I mean, a lot of some, some mid-majors here. Indiana State's reached out. Minnesota, SIU, SIUE. I mean, UT Martin, some smaller schools there. Um, a guy, another guy probably too far off our radar is Kurt Lewis um, from Eastern Kentucky, averaged 10 and five. Um, has three years of eligibility. Got teams like Arkansas, who made the Elite Eight, Memphis, USC, Loyola, some bigger schools. That's probably too far off our radar. Um, 
Lance Amir Paul, a D2 transfer from Gannon, averaged 18, 6, and 4. Um, a lefty would be a really good point guard. He's just off that top three point guard list I had. Um, then the last one here was just today, a Tarleton State transfer, Montre Gibson, a 6-1 guard, averaged 15 a game. Uh, some Texas A&M Corpus Christi who made the tournament, uh, College of Charleston, Utah Valley, and Incarnate Word. So uh, it's going to keep growing our list. I mean, those are just official guys. I think my list that we track, uh, if more than one of our staff follows, is up to like 60 players. So it's crazy. It's going to keep growing. Um, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys out there that could end up here. I mean, or there's guys that, um, sometimes come out of nowhere. Um, we will start our thread probably sometime later this week. If we can get a couple more to add to that thread, um, just follow along and, uh, hopefully dominoes start falling here. I know, um, all the Saluki fans I talked to, we're, we're just excited for the off season, want things to start happening now, but, um, once the March madness starts here to wrap up and NIT and everything, um, should see some things start happening. Uh, I think me and you talked about it the other day. It was May when we landed cash. So um, here in the next month or so, things should start happening. It's going to be exciting. That's true. Yeah, we want dominoes to fall every day. And the fact that it is really early and the fact that the transfer portal, which every school is going to have to be big on, you know, the transfer portal, people hate it. People love it. Obviously, if they leave your team and vice versa, it's tough. But there's so many names out there that you can add talent and persuade people. And especially when you look at it from a Nationals perspective, uh, you know, these players going to bigger teams and making impacts in the tournament makes it a lot more fun, makes it a lot more whatever. And just it, it, that list will grow and our list, yes, will continue to grow. We will have a threat at some point. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Jake, Jake, shout out to Jake Lieberman. He comes out with stuff every day that has us within other people as well. Uh, that shows us this this actual interest, and then you mentioned the staff following people. That's huge. Whether it whether it goes back to recruiting them out of high school and they don't unfall, like we unfall people that we end up not landing and all that stuff. The staff probably doesn't. So you know whether it's somebody that's been in a school for a long time and we you know because the staff's only been here and on whatever for three years. So it's like if they're a four year grad transfer guy, it just happened recently. So it just depends. But uh, definitely, if the interest is there, they definitely reach out to them. I'm sure the portal is insane. Uh, so, yeah, dominoes will fall. Uh, you're right. May with cash, you know, it, over time it will. One name uh, that I like a lot, I don't believe you said him. We've, we've talked about him for sure. And he's near one of the tops of mine in terms of wing and forward-wise. It's Kale Catchings from Harvard. Uh, I'm going on his account now because I want him that bad. I think he's, he's 6'6", 220. Um, uh, he's, he's spent a couple of years there, right? He would be, he'd be a grad transfer. Correct. And he, he's from O'Fallon, Missouri. As we've talked about the whole staff follows him. He was one of the first ones. He was before our season was over. We've heard about him. We talked to other SIU fans about him. He averaged nine and four rebounds and an assist shot 50% from the field. His last, uh, couple games, he scored, uh, 10, 19, 11, and 11. He turns it over and he, a little bit in that game he did. And then free throws, he doesn't shoot all that well, but that joins the club on our team, honestly. 
but he's the kind of body that you need someone that'll go. We've seen him dunk. We saw either a picture or a video of him dunking freak athlete at that weight and size. He could be a difference maker on the wing. Ones that we've seen around the Valley be difference makers for us. I like him a lot. And those other ones you said, yeah, it'll, it will keep growing as time goes on. Even guys like Mike Saunders jr. Uh, and, and you mentioned Curtis Lewis, but even no, we know Cam Alford from John a, Kind of mutual interest. That's the one that Brian went to watch, and there's some other John A. players. Cam would be like a third or second fiddle along with the star player, obviously. So we'll keep an eye out for guys like him. It will continue as as the season goes on 100%. Everything will be changed, and that's why we waited a week to see Domino's fall. So that list will continue to grow 100%. And if we we had a discussion earlier, if we, if we were to add a guard or a forward and we could only pick one, like a, a pivotal wing four, like a Kale, he's just an example, but a guard, like all the main three that we're in on. I think because a lot of those are more, you know, close to happening per se, and we know we need a guard next next to Lance, but we know we need that wing. That's when have, we have to rely on Steven or Marcus there. If, we, if you had to pick one, no, a guard or a forward for this one scholarship to use, obviously we're, you'd probably pick a guard because of these certain players, but position-wise, which one would you go with? Yeah, definitely. I would take I would take a guard. I mean, um, I think that's what this team needs. And um, adding a really talented guard like a any of those guards we mentioned. Um, then starting with Steven, I think Steven will take. He can start for us. It, it, adding a Brian Moore will open up things more because um, there'll be less pressure on Steven. So I think he's eligible. Then we foster. I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, getting a healthy trend on the wing. Um, I would take a guard over a wing at this point because we have some depth. Hopefully, maybe Ben Harvey can figure out his situation. And uh, we have depth on that wing, but guard, um, unless Lance is sliding back to the one and starting and Dalton behind him, uh, we're not, we don't have a lot there. Right, that's true, and I those guards are too talented and with the mutual interest hardcore that it would be tough to not say them in general for sure. Even though we we say Cash was perfect because he was the wing that we needed, it kind of would be the case again. It just it just all depends. Hopefully, it's not just the one spot. Hopefully, we can add a wing and a guard. How perfect would that be? So, it's all big wait and see. We are excited for one hundred percent. So Noah, as as we like I said, we'll we'll get through more players as time goes on with a thread and others on pods in the off season. Uh, quickly, we talked about adding a veteran to the staff. We're not sure if that would happen. We mentioned how great it would be. We've seen it around uh, all places to have the veteran added to a young staff, even though our staff's done an, an adequate job to this point. Uh, it would be cool. That was just something I had on here. We've talked about that at times. It would be nice to add, wouldn't it? Yeah, most definitely. Um, it'd be. Uh, I think that's maybe because because Bruce Weber, Chris Lowry, those guys that are. Leave. We just Bruce I for sure. Think, he's out of Kansas State. Yeah, Those I mean, are just names. I I discussed with you maybe there's an open AD spot if Bruce would maybe even be interested, but that'd be something cool. Um, for 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 then Chris Lowry's sake, uh, I think he should go home, and I think Evansville needs a can lick lighter and hire him. I mean, um, we know what happened ended up happening here, but uh, I think he could do a lot better. He's a really good recruiter, and that's where he's from. I think. Um, that'd be really good for him. But yeah, I think, I mean, obviously this staff is really young and they can, there's growing pains, um, when you're growing, but I think we, because if you look at it, we talked about it, uh, with, uh, Drew Valentine, he has a, uh, 
a guy that's specific assistant to the head coach. I mean, he's an older guy that's been through a lot of basketball. So maybe that's what we need. Obviously, we've mentioned Rodney Watson's name. We don't think that's going to happen at this point. Um, but I'm sure he's there being part of the radio broadcast. They talk to him and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be something that could mix up things. Maybe an addition would, – wouldn't need a subtraction to add to the staff, but maybe add an, an advisor to the head coach or something, a guy that's seen a lot of basketball or something. Exactly. And I, I don't, nothing that would, like – make him a whole lot of money in general, even if I, uh, especially with guys at certain ages that, yeah, have been around the block that would just take it as a volunteer kind of thing. You know, teams are hiring young, but a lot are still hiring older and it's kind of a mix of both. And just having that. And, and we know Brian has talked to Rodney at times. I'm sure, I'm sure he's texted Porter at times. I'm sure he's relied on his dad or relied on you know people that we don't see. And I think he's just really smart and knows the game enough, but I think he does rely on people. It's just having one at his side, no matter what, because we talked about Brendan just in terms, I think he'll take a head coaching job one day. And when he's gone, it's like, who are you going to add? And we've talked about the recruiters on our staff. It would be, it's just a fun thing to talk about because I think it's important. It would be vital, I think. And like I said, don't think it's going to happen, but it is something to talk about. So no, now we get to all this stuff. Let's finish here per se with, all this movement around the Valley, there are some players that are leaving that we know other people fall like we've talked about, but let's stay in the Valley. I'll start here with a player that we know is for sure staying, which it's not a surprise uh, because we know he dealt with injuries this year. Jay Sean Henry. Uh, we know he dealt with concussions. There was, you know, he could have came back. We didn't know, but it was not too long ago. He tweeted eye emojis and it was, you know, Everyone figured they knew what he was talking about. And only a couple of days later, no, he said he was returning, which is huge because he was the third leading scorer when he was able to play. And we know how pivotal Jay Sean is, has no NBA looks because he's been hurt. Why not use that, you know, that extra year? And that's what he's doing. No, Jay Sean Henry is returning. Yeah, that's big time for them. Obviously, uh, we'll get to it here, but they've taken some hits toward, towards the portal, I think. Um, beside, I mean, obviously, Saku leaves, but um, we're the only team that hasn't taken a hit to really, besides us and Drake, are the only teams not to take a hit because of the portal. I mean, um, it's interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, that's big time. It sucked. I'm glad that he's using that extra year because the way that what happened to him this, this season, the end of his career like that would be awful. So um, hopefully he can get that concussion thing concussion figured out hopefully he can stay healthy because uh he's a big time factor for that team and he kills us every time yeah he's a saluki killer to the utmost uh we'll stay in bradley because ari Buya he announced he's leaving i think he's going professional or just you know done in bradley per se he's not entering the portal he's too old honestly at this point probably but isn't he's going he hasn't made a post in a while uh, in a couple weeks, but I mean, he's leaving. I think it's at NBA or something, but either way, he's leaving, which is huge because he's the best big backup big in the conference. And then Noah Stane and Bradley again. We'll add a couple and we'll actually we'll end with the biggest one, even the one was most recent. We know Jason Kent, he entered the portal a week or so ago. And we were, we talked about him that if he was a little better than he was, he averaged like seven points and he started at like half the games. If he was a little bit better, Bradley could have won the Valley and done a lot better in the tournament than they did. He got benched in that game. He had an off year. He entered the portal knowing he's staying in conference, the second in the last two years. We know Clay. Now it's Jason Kent going to Indiana State. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, 
that type of wing doesn't really fit in Josh Schertz's offense, but we do know he's reuniting uh, with former high school teammate and Indiana State signee Robbie Avila. So uh, should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Donovan Clay has opened that up. I mean, I would for it's SIU. Door. Yeah, I would. I would accept it. I mean, it's it's fine by me. I have no problem with interconference. I mean, it sucked to see Donovan Clay go join a team like that, but um, it didn't really work out for them. Um, but yeah, I, I would take, like we said, I'd take Sheldon Edwards in a heartbeat to add to this team. Uh, I'd even take Shamar Givens, who um, is going to graduate and move on from Evansville. Um, but yeah, the list keeps growing and growing. It's the Valley's taking a huge hit for the portal. Yeah, it is. And I'm all for player mobility, you know, especially ones that take the next level or go to a better school if they're good, like at the mid-major level per se. This one's just odd because, yeah, he does reunite, and it is a weird fit. They have a lot of wings there. We know Cooper Nice is returning, Cam Henry, Xavier Bledson, Calix Stevens, who tweeted about it coming. Uh, it is interesting. And uh, we know he's from Illinois. We knew he wasn't from Indiana. I had to double-check that. But that is interesting. He could have – he's got the skill set to be a really good player. So we'll see how Josh – fits him in that was surprising to hear today and then Noah the biggest one Terry Roberts in the portal we know he made a post at the end of Bradley's season he was the most improved player and a, and a surprising first team member uber talented we know we want him he still follows us on Twitter uh, but and we talked about him earlier with Jordan Mitchell related but no he's leaving and like I said that first post he made after the year was like thanking Bradley not really thanking him but saying how good of a year it was and kind of assuming he was going to stay no and it came by a surprise a couple of days ago that he was entering and he had to and he had to make a post about him leaving right I, I hate that he had to explain himself but Bradley fans weren't happy yeah this is this is a big shock I mean it ended up he uh in an article that he said that uh he appreciates everything they did and if he were to do it all over again he would come to Bradley again um for this year but he wants to take that next step. He wants to play in front of bigger crowds. He wants to play on that next level, um, which he can. And uh, I believe already Oregon, Oregon, Oklahoma State, Florida, Kansas State, Tulsa, Wichita, Missouri, and more have already um, reached out to him. So he's going to be on the big-time level playing the Power Five next year. Yeah, it's almost like I mentioned tampering. And I don't know, like, who would be – I don't know if anybody would be in these in these players' ears before they enter the portal. It's like you kind of know you can play at the next level and you know the portal's hot that you enter. And yeah, I mean Brian Wardle did great things for him. He he, like I said, he did all had all that success. And like I said, I'm all for player mobility, him going to the next level. It's just unfortunate. It's bad for the valley, good players leaving just in the grand scheme. And it sucks for Bradley fans because he was gonna finish out and have really him and uh, mass were an incredible tandem and we know brian wardle is going to reload in some way they're still in on guys he finds a way so good luck to terry we'll be following him you mentioned the teams there definitely big time interest uh, so that's bradley's side noah we know let's just stay on belmont here will richard the obc freshman of the year really talented he's in the portal i guess it comes as a surprise uh you know for a program like that you don't really see people leave i guess they're kind of like the spurs of like mid-major the success that they've had. That was surprising. He's getting really good looks too. Yeah. I mean, he was going to be a big time um, player in the Valley, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a started just like Terry. He wants to play at a higher level. Um, 
he's getting big time looks. Um, so it'll be inter- interesting to see what happens. Um, I think maybe uh, he's from Georgia, so wouldn't be surprised to see him go back home and play maybe at like a Georgia or something like that. But um, big time talent. Um, it's good for us that he's leaving Belmont because that hurts them. But uh, would have liked to see him in the Valley. For sure. Now run through a couple of UIC players that recently entered. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Maurice Commander was like a mid, more of a mid-season transfer. Uh, Marcus Larson, Rayquandis Mitchell, Jalen Johnson, and the Zay, Zion Griffin, who was kind of didn't turn out as good as a player um, coming from Iowa State. We were in on him when he was leaving Iowa State, but uh, um they lose, they take some hits, but um, a lot. Of, I mean, any, any tweet that's sent out with uh, interest and from some guy in the portals, it feels like you see UIC's name on there for sure. And a lot of those guys are talented, and you know, people have thought about their facilities are really top notch. And I'm sure that you know, it's going to be interesting playing there at their great, you know, uh, campus and stuff. And I think they can go into a better conference, they can reload as well. And the talented players from that going to the next level isn't too surprising. So hopefully their coach that's well-respected around the country, let alone the new – his old conference and new conference. It'll be interesting keeping an eye on them. Now, I know let's jump into Murray. Talked about them. They were, had an incredible season, lost to St. Peter's. Uh, incredible players. They kind of play out of control, but they're so athletic that it, it, they would have – if they brought the same team, they would probably win the Valley. That's just how dominating they are. But running through a couple of their players – uh, Justice Hill, we know the great point guard they have, great shooter, great player. He's, he's entered. He made a post, though, that kind of led people to believe, not sure what he was doing, whether he was entering the portal. And that just came out today, you said earlier. So he was kind of like saying the new coaching change has led him to do this, whether it was go pro or enter. So now he is, and he's already getting big-time interest. Yeah, he already has an offer uh, from Oklahoma State and uh... – it's a big time talent. Wasn't surprised, like you said, that that the coaching change. He right away when the coaching change happened, um, we figured this was going to happen. Uh, Oklahoma State and USC already offered him within hours of being in the portal. Um, he did meet meet with uh, Murray State coach Steve Prom yesterday. Um, I know Trey Hannibal is meeting about his future with coach tomorrow. Um, so that's interesting. We know it just happened. DJ Burns, um, their glue guy, he's entering the portal. And we know that KJ Williams and Tevin Brown are both, uh, testing the NBA waters and, um, we don't expect to see them back. No, and it's unfortunate, you know, especially, like I said, the best season they've ever had. And those players could come in and dominate that they arguably their whole, their whole core players could have been on the all newcomer team for next year. If they all stayed, it's kind of hard for them not to when they get put on that map, especially, yeah, you said KJ Williams testing the waters. He's an incredible physical talent, can shoot, 6'10", is like that. He he should go pro, and I think he relatively – so he'll get good enough looks. He could be a second-round pick. And if he and if he comes back to college, he's going to leave. And you mentioned Steve Prom. I completely forgot to mention that at the top, that McMahon is gone. He left for LSU, and they did hire Steve Prom, who was there before, that he's back. I'm glad you mentioned that. But so, yeah, this coaching change can uh, change a lot of these dudes' minds. And you said Hannibal, who's arguably their fourth best player, 
pivotal player. Yeah, seeing what his future will have. He'll be the key guy they're moving forward or whatever the heck else. They will be a new team. Whether Obviously, they'll bring in new people, but having these core guys leave is a big hit. Tevin Brown, he's he could be projected a second-round pick I've seen on some mock drafts. He is incredible shooter, obviously great player. He, he led the way for them, arguably. Uh, with KJ so there'll be a whole new look and it's interesting all good players it's going to suck not seeing them in the in the valley but you know they're at the point and they're good enough to go to the next level so I honestly cannot blame them so there are the new teams coming in talked about Bradley no let's talk about one of the other big ones around the conference for a second time Noah Carter is in the portal uh, and we'll get to some other ones for a different team because, no, I singled this around a star player. We know A.J. Green tested the waters before. We know he's still, at the time being, at UNI. You would think that a Noah Carter decision like this, and we know we entered before and he decided to come back. I wonder if this could hinge around an A.J. Green decision. We know he's player of the year again, could go to a higher school. We know one in particular, Iowa State, he could go to. If he didn't stay, he's already built his legacy. He's arguably one or two top players they've ever had, him and Seth Tuttle. Uh, like what more can he do? Should he leave? And I think this is what Noah Carter leaving might have something to do with that, but Noah Carter has been great. And you're going to run through the list of the teams that are in on him. It's incredible. Yeah, obviously he entered last year and a lot of, a lot of the buzz is that, um, it's his, it's more of his family pushing him, pushing him to go elsewhere. I mean, I mean, he's one of those Iowa guys. They always stay there, but, um, that's the buzz on, on social media, it's more of the family pushing them out there. Um, but yeah, Texas Tech was the first one to reach out. Then Porter at Oklahoma, Florida, Mizzou, Marquette, BYU, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Ole Miss. I mean, those are big time programs. Um, I can't blame him if he. I'm obviously um, taking that kind of step. It's crazy to see, especially um, Arkansas, Elite Eight team, Texas Tech, a Sweet Sixteen team to BYU NIT team Virginia Tech a tournament team Mizzou is taking a big turnaround and they just landed the number one Juco player in the nation got a new coach um, then landed a transfer yesterday I mean if they land him I mean their coach is turning around fast for sure Dennis Gates has done a great job from Cleveland State yeah he landed those guys uh we know, yeah, other guy, they're definitely not. And that just reminds me of player mobility or coach mobility, too. We know uh, Golden from San Francisco played him. Obviously, you've just talked about him. He's taken the Florida job, which is crazy how much uh, coaching carousel is around. Just speaking of other stuff. But, I mean, do you know a Carter? He's got three more years if he wants. He's only a true, true sophomore. Uh, it, it, I honestly don't know what this like how talented he is. And it's rightfully so he's getting looked at by those schools. He will have a long, successful career and he will go top notch. It's it's good that he's out just for our sake, for the valley sake, it stinks. Like I said, that's when you look at it from that perspective, it could stink in that way. When when we care about the valley as much as the conference's fans do. So he's huge. You know what anyone else from you and I, we know Fife might call it a career in general. We'll get to more of these in the offseason. It's like for sure things. Anyone else from you and I? There is not. Okay, and we know Burhau's out the door, Pickford's out the door. Uh, Jacobson will have his hands full for sure in the offseason. So there are those. We mentioned El uh, Sheldon Edwards for sure in on him. Noah, another one, one of the other biggest ones. And talk about the, the teams that are in on this kid. Antonio Reeves, we know, tested the waters last year, came back, led the conference in scoring. Incredible. We know Ryan 
Uh, Payton is now at Illinois State, is at work. He's offering guys, interested in guys, hiring staff as well. He would love to see Antonio stay, Noah, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case at all. He is leaving or he's left a legacy at Illinois State. And like I said, the teams in on him are something else. Yeah, they are. And uh, you mentioned Sheldon Edwards. I did want to throw in Valpo also has Keandre Young and Trey Wood Woodyard that entered the portal. Um, but okay. yeah, and also then throw in, and since we're on Illinois State here, uh, Austin Andrews is the big man that didn't get the getting a really big talent. I mean, if he could end up somewhere and they could develop him, he could be a nice piece somewhere. But uh, yeah, Antonio Reeves, I mean, his list is incredible. Um, Duke. UNC Final Four teams <laughs> right there. Kentucky, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Porter at Oklahoma. He knows what he's doing. Texas Tech, BYU, Memphis, DePaul, and Alabama and Missouri. I mean, that's just incredible. Obviously, the talent is there, but I never expe- I expected to see some of these teams reach out to him. But the Kentucky, North Carolina, and Dukes of the world, I did not expect. I'm honestly speechless because, like, <laughs> it's almost like when you're at Illinois State and you know you can go somewhere and you don't have to sit and you know those teams. And we talked about Yesifu. He's not going to turn down Bill Self, interested in him. And he could be recruited on a certain role and it doesn't work out, but he's in the Final Four. It's like a reach can go here and be a talent, even at these places that are bringing in other talent as well. You mentioned, oh, yeah, Duke's got the top class coming in. It's like if you add him with that. I don't think he would choose there. He's not going to end up choosing there. But just the fact that these teams are in on him, yeah, you can't turn that down. And you're right. The town is for sure there. The fact that we were in on him and almost landed him per se years ago and seeing the town that he is, like I said, he's thrived under Dan Muller in his career to be the player that he is to the utmost. I cannot wait to see where he ends up going because I think Kentucky would be the favorite. That would be a dream school for a guy like this. And you're right, Porter's in on these guys. He definitely knows what he's doing. I cannot wait to follow what Antonio does. So one of the other top players leaving, you mentioned Austin Andrews too. Talent, we saw him at, on senior night in the tournament. Uh, he's a talent. He, he can go somewhere potentially. Keep an eye on all these players. So there are some of the top guys. We'll get to another one here in a second. But another one, Noah, we know he didn't play this year due to injury. Tyree Key is in the portal. We know there was some hubbub before the tournament of some like animosity. He was there. Enter the portal a couple days later. No, who's in on Tyreek? Yeah, there is no official list out there for Tyreek, um, but he is a power five school talent. But I mean, there was a lot of when Cooper Nice came out um, that there's a high chance of him staying and returning. And I would not throw, I would not say that's, that's, I would say, um, I mean, there's no list out there, which is surprising for a guy like that. So, it's weird, but I would say um, it's almost a 50-50 chance he could return, which that would be big for them. But um, it's weird to see. Obviously, they've had some other guys enter the portal, and they're 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 scrambling to revamp the roster, just like we were after Brian's first season. But, yeah, like that's a power five guy. I would think, I mean, obviously he can score at the best level, um, but he could play anywhere in the country as well. That's why I wonder, like, how serious his injury is to, like, where the interest wouldn't be there or it's just not announced. You're right. Power five for sure. It's interesting. Do you remember what injury it was that led him out for the year? I don't remember. A shoulder or something? It was was a shoulder. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how that could, or you know, take part. And 
his future, not sure. So that's a big one. What about other Indiana State? Simon Wilbar and Michael Micah Thomas. Who else? Yeah, Nick Nick Hiddle. Um, so both big men in the in Indiana State on the Indiana State's roster in, in the in the portal. So that shows you that maybe uh, Robbie Avila coming in is going to get playing right uh, right away. Um, Deron Tucker is also um, a young player. Then Kumari Peterson, who was going to be a pretty good player, had the injury bug this year, couldn't get healthy, as in there. So uh, yeah, it's just another roster makeover. Um, it's kind of shocking that like a guy like Wilbar who followed him over from um, Lincoln Memorial would leave after one year after after following his coach. So uh, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, I'd say probably his biggest is see if he can stay in Tyreek Key's um, ear and see if he can get him to come back because if he does, that puts him in top half the league almost. For sure. I mean, he's he's knowing he has to improve and he's doing it. I mean, if let's say Tyreek does come back or not in general, you still have Cam, you still have Xavier, you still have Calix with Robbie and Jason Kent and Cooper Nees. That is a talented team. So Josh – We'll improve that team for next year for sure. They'll be in the running. They won't be near the bottom as maybe whatever. But Shamar, no, you mentioned him earlier. He is in the portal along with some of his teammates we'll get to. Who who do you know is in on Shamar right now? Yeah, obviously, uh, if we would reach out to him, I would take a guy like Shamar to run the point for us. Um, but um, some teams that have reached out to Shamar already, um, team like uh, – Western Kentucky, Rhode Island, Cal State, Fullerton, UTEP, um, some um, some pretty good schools. Um, Duquesne has reached out to him. Buffalo, Iona, which there was rumors of a, of an assistant coach um, who coached them when Licklider couldn't because of health issues um, could go could go to Iona and rejoin. Apparently, he was under Patino at one time already. So that that could be a way that Shamar could go play for uh, Patino and Iona. Yeah, for sure. And those are the kind of teams that would be in on him. We talked about his size. That's really all he can go. We know he's talented. And those are good schools, schools that can make the NCAA tournament. So we wish him luck in terms of getting that. And he's leaving the forest fire that is Evansville. Uh, Jaquan Newton left the portal too. And honest, and we'll get to the third guy that was honestly the first in the ballot to be the first domino to fall, but Jaquan left. Do you know of any interest on him? We know he's dealing with injury. I doubt anyone's in on him. Yeah. Yet. I am not seeing anything on Newton. Um, then the first one really, like you said, was Emmett page, um, a Juco guy that barely played over there. could be an interesting pros- prospect to someone take on and to see then, uh, Another one that's been in it was, this was a midseason guy as well was freshman Troy Boyton. Um, yeah, he, he entered the portal way way was the first one in the valley in the midseason to enter the portal. So, um, like I said, they have five open roster spots over there. I would not let Todd Licker Licklider fill those hole. I mean, he needs to go. I mean, the AD is gone over there. They need to fire him and just revamp. I mean, if I'm, if I'm those two young guys and Blake Sisley and Preston Phillips, I mean, I, I don't know what's keeping them staying over there. I mean, I know they're both from Indiana, but I, I don't know why they're staying over there if they are. Yeah. I know Evansville is just plummeting as we know, they need to get rid of the glider just for 
because their fans don't want him there, and he's kind of overstayed his welcome. He had a he let him do a fifth seed last year and was doing okay this year. Just he, like I said, worn worn out his welcome. I think uh, you're right. They're searching for an AD. So are we. That just reminds me that you know, hope maybe we'll have one or we'll stick with uh, Matt Kupek. We don't know. That's something that will fall as the offseason goes on. It just reminds me, but. Yeah, they need to cut ties if they're losing. They got some talented young players. I don't know who the heck they're going to be able to add. There's guys like Christian Lander we know is leaving Indiana. I don't know if he'll come down to Evansville. He could. There's some other options, and there's some coaching options too. So we'll see how that plays out with Evansville. Now, no, let's end with Missouri State. We've talked about Mosley. You said earlier he does have a sizable NL offer. That was according to Wyatt Wheeler earlier uh, or like a week or so ago. That might have been even or longer. That might have been before they played Oklahoma or something. But the fact that it's there, no, we know he's got NBA talent. And it's it's great because Antonio is one of the top ones. And we know AJ and Isaiah are two dominant. If they leave, then I'm not going to say the, the Valley is totally wide open. We know Drake and Bradley are still whatever, and depending upon what we do. But that would be utterly insane. And I think Isaiah is definitely getting looks. He might get pro looks. He's definitely going to get bigger school looks. I think him and Dana have a good relationship because there obviously was a reason why he went there in the first place. Uh, but, no, time will tell with him, but let's talk about some teammates that he has later. Yeah, his, his high school teammate, uh, Jamonte Black, um, he, which was surprising to me. I mean, he was their third leading scorer. He's entered the portal, so that's interesting. Then, obviously, Demarcus Sharp, who had injuries this year, would have been their starting point guard. Um, kept him out, then another midseason guy in Keaton Hervey who killed us last year. Interesting that they have three open roster spots. We know they have a really good class coming in. Um, be interesting to see what Dana Ford does. We mentioned uh, Dana, if he, he could make the jump, but he's not this year in the coaching carousel. But um, Jamonte Black, that's a big one. They're losing Prim. I mean, Obviously, like I said, they have a loaded class coming in, and they'll hit the portal as well. So uh be interested to see what Dana Ford does. Yeah, you're right. You mentioned him making the jump. I think that this team would have been his peak. So if he was going to leave, it should have been like now if the option was there. We mentioned Missouri, even though Missouri made an A-plus hire, it seemed like now that has been a nice in-state add because he can obviously recruit. Yeah, I think he will add just fine. We've seen guys that he's already been in on, losing a lot of these guys. Uh, and we know NJ Benson's going there. So I think they will be fine. Just to, it all hinges on Isaiah. And it's like, well, I don't know if Jamonte Black and all these guys would leave if they knew Isaiah wasn't staying. Um, so I think those will be late dominoes to fall, these star players. Uh, yeah, who, who knows what could happen with that? It all hinges around old Isaiah. So that's around the Valley. We were going to have a way too early preseason, but we'll wait for that. It's way too early with these changes, just knowing all these new teams coming and where they could be, but they'll all look completely different. So, and so will other teams potentially as well. That's a rundown of the season of our season. And so far what the early off season looks like around the Valley, so many dominoes left to fall, hopefully from us. And we will definitely be adding uh, but we we mentioned mailbags before. If you guys, if you've stayed on this long to know about the mailbag, uh, if you have off-season questions or this past-season questions that you want answered that we could, you know, more describe, uh, you know, our thoughts on it and stuff, uh, you know, we're always welcome to mailbags and different kind of questions with the future or the past and what the present holds for everything. So uh, everybody make sure to do that. We will have way too early preseason at some point. We will have breaking news. We will have, like we said, the AD surge. We are getting towards football. We're going to 
navigate more, you know, more pods towards that potentially outside of breaking news for basketball, we will have episodes through this off season and what will happen. Uh, Cause it'll be, it's honestly a nut gut season for next year, as we know. So it's time to get better. It's time to improve. So no, what are your final thoughts on this season and the outlook? Yeah. Um, obviously the season is not what we wanted. Uh, we thought we'd be um, better than we were. Um, obviously a roller coaster of a season and uh, yeah, looking forward to the off season dominoes start falling here and looking forward to next year because it's a, it's a key year in this program's where, what direction it's going to be headed. And uh, yeah, it's got to be a big year. Excited for the off season. Um, excited to see growth and bringing in Cade and who else we bring in then um, see what happens here. I mean, overall, not just for us, but for the Valley, it's an exciting time. We're adding teams. We're going to 12 teams. Um, it's going to be different. It's going to be next year. Look all the way ahead to next year. Arch, Arch Mondays. That's going to be different. It's going to be even better because you're going to get four games on Thursdays. It's going to be incredible. Um, can't wait for it. Excited. Um, we love football, but um, if we could fast forward to basketball season, we would. 100%. And it, it is make or break time just in terms of the opening that the Valley seems like it's having. You're adding teams. You're losing Loyola. And all these other teams are maybe going to lose their best players and lose all these players. They become like it, it's going to look totally different potentially. And teams are going to add, but having all these veteran players leave will make a difference. I promise. So it's 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 a window right now. The window that we've already known is there, but now it is. It's it's a must improve time. We've talked about the seasons. First year over exceeded last year injuries. This year was the only year you can't really make excuses. You have some role players that are hurt. You got to get better, though. You got to build off this. You want to get higher in the Ken Palm. Want to get way over 500, get the 20 wins like we expected. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. It was a fun season, though. We were able to go to games and it was just fun. So, like I said, anyone has questions on this past season, that is in the rearview mirror. We are looking ahead to try to improve. Like I said, the mailbags are open. Hopefully, everyone has stayed this long. It's going to be a fun off season with what to add. It's time to improve. Cannot wait to see what the future holds for Saluki basketball. So for Nick Malone, no alerts until we talk next time into the off season. Go dogs.